Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Baka 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 Podcast. It's amazing how every time you open your mouth, you prove you're an idiot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Baka Baka Baka. We're an anime podcast who every two weeks we pretend we're a book club and we talk about an anime that we just recently watched and break it down, plots, characters, all that stuff in a spoiler section that we'll warn you about later. And then we invite you to join in on our discussion, uh, whether through our Twitter or our new website, uh, theanimebakaclub.com. Definitely something you should check out. It's very cool. And tonight we're talking about the anime Sunny Boy. And to talk about it, I need the help of my co-host. First off. We have the bender to my breakfast club. Jeremy, how are you doing? Doing good. So is that bender from Futurama or is there actually a bender? In- There's a character named Bender. He was oh, okay. The, the punk guy. Okay. Oh, I thought you you just went off on a night of drinking. So. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's <laughs> had bender. A bender. Never mind. Why do you think he was named Bender? His father was an alcoholic. All right. Oh. Um. Yeah, so... I. Doing great. I uh, spent quite a bit more time trying to just kind of finish the last little bits of stuff to do on the website for phase one. Uh, basically, just getting our content moved over. Yep. Um, so that's Beautiful that's job, been a lot of way. fun. What's that? Beautiful job, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm loving it. It's really cool. Um, but it's funny because I wind up there's we went with Namecheap for hosting and they are what they say they are. Right. They're cheap. Um, <laughs> so oh, I'm sorry. Have, what was the uh, what was the URL again? I couldn't find it. Yeah, the Anime Baka Club at uh or no 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 at just the Anime Baka Club dot com. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> suddenly I just was thinking about Smooth, the, right? the podcast. Yeah, but um, but yes, I've been on the helpline quite a bit because there's been like weird server related things that are happening, but eh, it's resolving itself, so we're good. <laughs> I'm so glad you took that on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We also have the McLovin to my super bad, Jason. How you doing? <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I, I just uh, passed one of my certs at work, so I'm super happy because I was convinced I was going to fail. Uh, <laughs> and then I, get, I came home and uh, played through the campaign of uh, Call of Duty Vanguard because uh, that just came out. Um did not like the story as much as the last two campaigns, but it was fun. It was an interesting take, but I mean, you know, World War II, fighting Nazis, not a lot of different. Um, but I liked the narrative style of some of the missions. But um, instead of doing like a point A to point Z story, it was very much a we're looking back. We're, it's like it was a story of flashbacks. <laughs> into the characters so you know um, you're gonna survive then <laughs> it explains why you as the player <laughs> keep surviving <laughs> otherwise you actually uh, you, you switch between all the different characters viewpoints so <laughs> oh so you can die ah so but yeah it's a uh, yeah it, it was it was okay uh and my name is troy uh and i mentioned i was watching uh squid game i finished squid game it was good. I do think it's I think it's overhyped because the rest of the world isn't used to anime. 
Um, when I watched it, I was like, <laughs> a- anime is, is a couple steps ahead of this, and the world is ready for anime. I think I said that last time. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that definitely carried through. It was still good, though, and I, I really liked the main character and his portrayal. I also, today, they were recorded, watched The Harder They Fall, which is a new uh, Western on Netflix, and it was fantastic. It's a it's a almost all completely black cast, but they're playing real life historical figures in the Wild West, all real black cowboys and and people back then. But then it's a fi- it's a fictional story about why they would all come together in a town and have a giant battle. <laughs> and but I love westerns, and it was it was very westerny. Um, Idris Elba played the villain. Regina King is like his psyche. It, the all the actors are great, and the main guy, whose name of course I'm going to forget right now, but he's going to be the next big bad in the MCU. He was he was in the last couple episodes of Loki. Uh, he's Kang the Destroyer. Um, he's the next Thanos level. I like him. Um, and he he played a very charming, you know, bandit. Uh, instead of like the stoic, I'm going to come in the saloon and kill anyone who comes up to me. He comes in the saloon and he. He says, yeah, I'll buy you a drink. And then he shoots you or something like that. Um, <laughs> he was, But it was great acted and a great Western. We don't get a lot of Westerns these days. So I really enjoyed that movie. I'm surprised none of us talked about Dune. I watched it today. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's good. What's Dune? Good. Yeah. Dune's Dune. I'm, I'm looking forward Dune to this Dune. part, too. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it's a I'm great retelling. Watch. Yeah. I waited to watch part one so because I wanted there to be a part two. I'm going to watch part two. I didn't dislike it. it just, I really liked it. It, it was it was doing it. Uh, to be fair, I've spoiled myself on all of Dune. I read all the Wikipedia multiple times through over the years. When I get bored, I'll just read. What's the bat plot of Dune again? Why does that <laughs> one guy turn into what he does? Uh, if yeah. you know what that means, it's it's bizarre. Um which I'm really hoping the movies get there. The movies get there might be the greatest cinematic moment in history. Um, <laughs> uh, it just, it was, it was very Dune and, and very high mind concept. And that's definitely, I know Jeremy, that's like your wheelhouse. Oh, I love uh, it. Yeah. Uh, it's a little, but Dune's a little dry for my <laughs> taste, not to the point where it ruins it or anything. Just, yeah. I, <laughs> I loved how little expositing there was. There was so much like inference based on what you see and such little speech. Right. And that was so nice. Jason, did you like that when the, the plot wasn't explained to you and you had to figure out stuff? The thing was is that it was <laughs> Not even though stuff that. was the you son of a <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Uh, actually, you know what? The Dune had enough dialogue and uh, exposition without it feeling handholdy that it was very easy to grasp the political concepts that were happening mm-hmm. um and the maneuvering that was happening in the background off screen was very well done mm-hmm. um through short through short like yeah w- without these long diatribes of oh mm-hmm. you know my grandiose plan and this is what we're gonna do yeah. but there was none of that i liked it Let's talk about Sunny Boy because we have a lot to talk about. I don't know. Dune's pretty fun. All right. So <laughs> we're going to talk about Sunny Boy no matter how much Jason doesn't want to. And before <laughs> we start, I wanted to, for the first time, bring in some reviews from the Internet. So I reached out on Twitter to anyone who wanted to share their review uh, of what they thought, whether it was an initial impression or they had completed it. 
And so I have a couple of those here. Uh, the first off, we have uh, this is from the Instant Ramen podcast. Uh, they are uh, two guys named Juan and Trip who talk about anime news and do anime reviews. Uh, the latest episode was on the new My Hero Academia movie that they they had seen, and they talked a lot about pizza. Um, so it's a good podcast to check out if you're looking for one. Uh, they said Sunny Boy was the best surprise summer could have. Whether you dig it deep to all the subtext and philosophical viewpoints or enjoy it for its face value, Sunny Boy was an insane adventure. What began as a Lord of the Flies situation turned into something beautiful. We also had uh, a listener um, who, who I, I won't name because I don't know if they want me to drop their name, uh, but he just said, sorry, I had to drop it. <laughs> could, <laughs> could not follow along. Uh, and then we had one more who said, I thought Sunny Boy was and still is a great anime. I love the art, music, and especially the characters. I enjoyed watching every episode and always couldn't wait for the next. Uh, so those are the impressions that we got on the anime. Obviously, there's a little bit of uh, a divide between some of the reviews. And so now sounds, we're going to give... Yeah. Sounds like a mirror of us. <laughs> uh, so let's give our initial impressions. Jeremy, why don't you go ahead and go first? So I really liked it. Um, I would almost go so far as to say I love this anime. This was really really cool to watch and i think the reason was because the whole time i was digesting what was happening and it's really cool because one of the characters is actually trying to do that for you he's trying to figure out what's going on with the worlds that they encounter and um so just seeing all of those tidbits of information and how you establish the rule sets for each world was really cool it kept my mind spinning kept the gears turning the whole time. And um, and there were definitely like subtext of, of important thematic things, but I didn't really pick up on those as much until way, way, way later in the season because I was so fascinated with um, how how does this whole weird, I, I don't even want to say world because it's they call it this world, this, this world and this, this world, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like how did how does how does this whole picture uh eventually play out to be something that can make any kind of sense whatsoever and even to do that i think you have to still like really stretch but uh it's it's very cool um i i really enjoyed it but it definitely goes into like the psychedelic and and you've got to enjoy weird worlds like it reminds me of say the weird worlds in flip flapper or id zero or you know any of those really crazy places where things just don't do what you expect them to do um so yeah i really liked it Hi, Jason. Why don't you tell us what you thought? <laughs> um, you know, I I don't really get interpretive dance. I'm not a fan of contemporary art, and I didn't get this anime. Um, at first glance, I kind of didn't like it. I'm with our our listener there. I would have stopped on episode one, um, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, I'm going to say something a little unpopular. There were a lot of scenes that made me feel like I was looking back at Fooly Cooly, and I did not like that anime. Um, and I, I think that visually, it's beautiful. The voice acting is very well done. Like, you can feel the the voice actors really putting their heart into a lot of the scenes. Um, the dialogue goes by real fast. And, and, uh, I, I just, I had a tough time stringing the individual experiences through these, this worlds that uh, together. And so it was very difficult for me to 
kind of grasp what in the world this anime was even about. So, um, yeah, it, it it was it was a like I said, it was a beautifully done and made anime, but very artsy. So I I I didn't get it personally. Uh, neither of these guys are wrong. Uh, honestly, I came away and at this point, it, we'll see how the year ends. We'll see if it has the same problem. Right now, I feel like this is my anime of the year. I also would never recommend it to anyone. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I recommend Promise Neverland all the time, especially like non-anime watchers. Like, here's the gateway drug. I would hold Sunny Boy back to like the most hardcore. And and you hit the nail on the head with Fully Cooly because this is the thematic subtext of Evangelion with the bizarreness of Fully Cooly without the comedy and the emotional uh, draw of like the girl who left through time all mixed together into an anime. And you'd have to tell me you liked all three of those things. And I'd be like, okay, I have an anime. I think you're going to like, <laughs> it's okay. If you don't Maybe. strap in, um, <laughs> it definitely checks all my boxes though. Original content, something I've never seen before. I dug hard into the theme. And then I was reaching out to Jeremy and being like, explain quantum physics to me, please. Um, because <laughs> I don't fully understand everything that happened, uh, and I was, I was wondering, is Jeremy gonna like this? Because I have no idea if these rules are working or not. <laughs> yep. uh, I also had a feeling, Jason, you wouldn't like it because uh, you've said before, I don't want to solve the mystery. I want to see someone solve the mystery. Um, you want to see Columbo, you know, go through his his workings. And this anime does not tell you what's going on. It, there's characters talking about it, yeah. uh, but. You have to figure it out. And they also don't confirm if you're right or wrong. I have seen people on Reddit arguing about uh, certain characters and who they were. And both have equally plausible answers. And it's it's Schrodinger's cat. They're both right. They're both wrong. There's no way to know. Uh, that's what this anime does. So unless it very specifically sounds like something that would be your bag, it, I, I, it might be worth just trying. But I am not recommending this. <laughs> Even though it'll it'll sit on top of my list of animes for a long time, um, so yeah, fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. There, there's no op, uh, mm-hmm. and the ed is a black screen with white credits scrolling like a movie. Uh, so I I guess here, uh, how do you guys feel about the music? Because I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was one of the best soundtracks of an anime I've seen in a long time. When there was music playing, good lord, um, the song was okay. Like the main song that represented the anime, um, it was all right. Uh, it wasn't too much of a bop for me. Um, but besides that, yeah, the 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 sound design was great. I actually really liked how there were a lot of scenes where there there was a serious conversation happening between two characters uh, about like kind of come into like the dialogue was they were, they were trying to figure just figure out something about themselves personally and how they felt. And during that absolute dead silence in the back, like no cicadas, no rain, like just leaves the audience with these two characters in a room. Um, I, that's kind of a brave step. And a lot of anime don't do that. And I like that. Mm hmm. Um, I, at first I kind of didn't really like the outro, but, um, 
But when they make the change and they do like the guitar version of it at the very end in, in episode 12, I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> yeah, I feel this one. This is good because um, you really start to feel the uh, the agony of the main character, basically, in the uh, in the music. Um, otherwise, nothing really stood out to me like it was pleasant, but it was just background for me. Yeah, uh, the the ED, the main ED song, I thought was was great. It, it drops I, at least once. I know in the first episode, the the song, two songs that play in the final episode, I think are both bangers. I I love the Sound Dragon. I've added them to my my regular playlist. <gasps> nice. You would. <laughs> I, I did. I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> <laughs> Come at me, bro. <laughs> All right. Um, spoiler time. Let's go to the spoilers. So, also please keep in mind, as we discuss the plot, a lot of this story is presented non-linearly and without much explanation of what you're seeing until much, sometimes much later on. We're going to do our best to recap it, but there is, I'm going to skip over so many things. There are so many random insert scenes that then became important later. There's a one where a character holds up two video games, and then, like, second to last episode, or, no third or fourth last episode they're like that was a really important scene and i'm like i I barely remember that happened and i definitely didn't write it down we're gonna do our best in the recap but there will be spoilers from here on out if you are planning to watch sunny boy or if you haven't finished it or anything this is the point to to pause the anime uh go take some ellis no don't take drugs uh watch (laughs) the anime and then (laughs) come back Uh, (laughs) never ever okay I'm not sure you can spoil this anime, but that's just me. <laughs> you know, that's true, because when I was talking to Jeremy, I was literally, I was like, can I write this? I'm like, without context, how would Jason know what this means? Yeah. I, I read probably the first paragraph, and I go, I, I'm i not following, so I skipped <laughs> So you were absolutely right. It's very hard to spoil this. All right. Uh, we start... With a Japanese middle school, which again to us is high school, or their high school is college. Uh, but there's 16 year olds is what we're dealing with here. 36 students are in the school. They're floating in a black emptiness. Like literally the entire screen is black except for the school. And out the windows is pure blackness. There's nothing around. In fact, we... it's so enveloping. Like one character sticks his arm out a window. And as soon as it gets past the glass... It disappears in the blackness. Mm-hmm. Uh, we start with a shot of our main character lying on the floor alone in a classroom with a cat watching him. <laughs> and a feather on him. And a feather on him. This is Nagara, our main character. Your guys' thoughts on him. One of the most boring protagonists I think I've ever had the displeasure Maybe of watching. you should start. <laughs> 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 No, I, um, he was okay, but he was really irritating to watch because he had zero, zero spine, the majority of the anime and the lessons that seem to be being presented with his, with his particular story just were so unimpactful. Um, yeah. Uh, Jeremy, maybe you can change my mind because I, I just, I was not connecting. I did not care what happened to this character. Well, I definitely got to say that my favorite characters were not him, um, so I'm not necessarily out of that boat with you. But um, this character really is kind of the 
the major reason why this whole story is happening. Um, granted, the other characters are experiencing the same sort of coming of age uh, theme, but he's really the the focal point of it. And so his lack of a spine is it, the way I interpreted it was that it was just him not wanting to grow up. And so being reluctant to take those steps of actually, you know, being bold, being decisive, things like that. Um, and so he, that was kind of the objective of this story. So watching him slowly become a character that is interesting and is decisive and is, you know, taking steps on his own to affect the world around him intentionally rather than just all um, passively was kind of the arc of the anime. Yeah, this I'll get into it. Could, all right, so first off, Jeremy's right. The theme is this is about growing up. I'm going to get into a little more of the weeds and dive into more specifics when we get to the end of this first episode. But as far as Nagra is concerned, he is extremely apathetic and he has decided nothing I do can change the world. So I'm not going to try um, where and the theme of this anime is you can't change the world, but you should still try. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't matter but you still should try that's the right that's what you need to do for yourself um that's what you got from this <laughs> <laughs> you know that's actually a central if i remember correctly a central buddhist philosophy is that yeah. you really can't make uh, much of a difference in anything so do it anyways because <laughs> that's the most beautiful thing there is there is buddhism Oof. philosophy in here there's also uh, i believe there's is it Nietzsche, the, the nihilistic philosopher? Uh, I oh, believe. Nietzsche? Yeah, yeah, Nietzsche, thank you. I believe some of his uh, stuff is kind of presented here, even though I don't know much about it. I, I saw some comments that suggested. I've been digging through Reddit, uh, not for spoilers, just because I, I, this anime's lived in my brain since I finished. Um, so, <laughs> Nagara, but, a but I want I want to agree with, with you, Jason, that he is kind of boring and especially yeah. if, if the theme is about how about growing up and, and, and more like the more central stuff that i was looking at i don't really know what the I, apathy fits in with that apathy is not really the issue that they're facing it's it's more the rapid change that happens in this point in your life and so i thought it was a little weird that they went with the, an apathetic character who has to learn to care but I didn't find him unlikable, though. I just kind of saw him as a, a focal point for a bigger story, and he was, he was fine to stay with. But I, like Jeremy said, the characters I really like are not him. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a perfect way to put it. And we come to one of those characters I really, really like because this girl comes up to him and asks him if he's having fun. And he says, yes. <laughs> um, and the, this character is a new transfer student to the school. Her name is Nozomi. Um, and she is a ball of pixie energy and she makes me feel happy when she's on the screen. Your guys' thoughts on Nozomi. Jeremy, you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So I really like Nozomi, but when she first showed up, I interpreted her as being a villain because she has this curvature to her mouth that they use a lot when they depict villains where it's very sharp tip, very sharp up at the corners. And the things that she was saying were very um, anarchic, 
you know, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but she seemed to be promoting anarchy. And when you see her interactions with the other students, I was still in the mindset of, okay, this is going to be Lord of the Flies. What's the political relationship going to be with each faction? Who are they? What are their stances? She seems to be this anarchist. At first I was like, okay, she seems like she has more of the, um, um, see, my brain is in anime mode. It's not political mode. So I can't even think of what it's called right now, but, uh, um, I guess it doesn't matter then. She's the one that really values freedom <laughs> over everything else. And the libertarian. Uh, yes, that's the word. Thank you. That faction. And so that's what I was thinking that she was going to represent because she's like, nope, uh, you're using the phone to control me. I don't even want the phone. Nope, you're doing this to control me. I don't want that. Right. A very rebellious streak that way. And so I, I was thinking this is this is very interesting. Is she going to be the villain? Because even in the flashbacks that we see with him, she's like tearing up textbooks and throwing them out and being like, you should do it too. It feels good. And I'm like, okay, so this is very interesting, which made me think, okay, maybe she's not representing a libertarian. Maybe she's representing some other faction that's even more anarchic, anarchical, right? And so I was just seeing all of these things and, and wondering, you know, is she the, the quote unquote bad guy of this story? And she's not by any means. Um, that's just like that very initial momentary glimpse that I had of her. Um, she does turn out to be, like you were saying, Troy, like an incredibly positive um, influence on the characters. And I would say actually kind of like the major catalyst to the arc of the story. Are you seeing your thoughts? Just couldn't stand her. Um, <laughs> just, she was... Everything she said was snarky. Um, she seemed to have very little impact on character growth around, of the characters around her. And she didn't seem to have any sort of arc whatsoever. Um, I have no idea what she was supposed to learn. And uh, let's just say there comes a point in the story where I just kind of didn't care what happened to her. I had no connection to this character. Um, the other one that we will come to meet me Mizoho. uh i actually really liked her i thought she was a much more interesting character um that i i could have done without nozomi nozomi is a great character who <laughs> had a character arc of learning to work with the others and not be so independent and and be a part of the team, especially in the, her big final arc when she has to go off. She chooses to go off and be part of the team and, and help with something that has nothing to do with her. And then found but, out know, she doesn't have any impact on that group. But go on. She absolutely did have an impact. <laughs> she she anyway, literally is having a conversation she, where she's like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. Right. But then she also makes the get there. <laughs> she, she was brought because she'd have an impact and then she has that exact impact but that's fine she also helps the main character get to his point in life and he calls out multiple times that it was thanks to her believing in him and helping him see that that things mattered that it was helpful um she also has just some really beautiful scenes again uh for the two female characters they're both in incredibly well written and whichever one was on screen was my favorite at the time <laughs> and i did go back i was because Okay, the shipping light would start turning on. And that, that doesn't happen, but it, it it would start turning. I'd be like, oh, do I ship them? And then, oh, then the other female character would come on. Oh, maybe I ship. You know, maybe I just don't need to ship anyone. And they're great characters without that. This is why you have harems, Troy. This is what harem <laughs> and are for. <laughs> so that's, yeah, but that's, nobody is... gets shipped in those. That's the problem. That's true. That's true. You got a point. 
So along with this, so Nagura goes to the bathroom to get away from her because she does like to pester him and he does like to get away from her. Um, And in the bathroom, we meet two characters, one named Cap, who is uh, they're members of the school council. And the other name is Hoshi. Um, Hoshi is very much the he's the guy in charge who's whispering to the guy who's actually been elected to be in charge. That is is Hoshi's. Yes, but not in a completely evil way, but in a little bit of an evil. I actually thought this was our villain. Yes, and um, here that was the next and, one. I was like, "Oh, villain." <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he ends up kind of being a nice guy, but that does kind of fit into the theme that I was seeing. But uh, um, do you guys have any thoughts quicker than we did on the Zomi? But any mm-hmm. thoughts on Hoshi because he's not in the story as long as most other characters. I kind of wish Hoshi was more of a central character. Um. It, it yeah totally saw him as an evil character first couple episodes then he starts coming around and then he's giving out like actual wisdom um and i thought that was pretty neat uh especially coming from a character that seemed to be conniving in the beginning so um but he ends up not getting a lot of screen time later on so um yeah just bad. which is important to the theme for some of us but anyway go ahead <laughs> Um, yeah, I, th- I thought he was an interesting character because, again, like you said, thought he was a villain. Um, I just kept looking for villains everywhere. Um, <laughs> but You're it was interesting problem, that <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> it was interesting that his his source of information was like this older male voice that was, you know, essentially telling him what to say and telling him what was coming. And then he would just kind of relay that and then be like, have I ever steered you wrong? Have I ever not known what was going to happen? If I ever. And, and, so, and sometimes his voice would change into that guy's yes. voice. Oh, man. And then other people would, like, it seemed like other people would get um, visions from him yeah. of what he, might that, happen. That No, his power is to put visions into your head. I don't know if it's specifically what's going to happen or if he can just put whatever he wants. Ah, interesting. This is his power, I think. Yeah. And so I was, I was totally interested in seeing where his character story went but then he just kind of decided at some point i'm gonna go against the voice in my head and then the voice disappeared and he kind of grew up and walked away from the story and uh i was i was a little bit sad but he was still interesting as a character yeah i i think the most interesting thing about him is that he does leave especially when he was so dynamic to the story he's starts off in very i'm gonna take us in the lord of the flies tribal sort of way and yeah like you said he he kind of matures out of it chooses to be a voice for good instead so i found i i i ended up really liking the character um they start off with so cell phones work here and the problem the school council is dealing with is that uh students of the 36 students some of them are developing superpowers and they're breaking windows with their superpowers now it's it's not presented exactly how long they've been in the void unless they did say exactly two weeks it's been two weeks okay it's been exactly two weeks (laughs) of the anime um yeah and and so everyone's just kind of chilling there's like nothing else to do they're playing soccer in the halls but they are sometimes using their powers and breaking the windows and so the student council is like well eventually we're going to return home and there's going to be broken windows and we're going to get in trouble. So what do we, what do we do? And, and so they use their, their cell phones work. And so they have like this messaging board on, on the cell phone. They tell everyone, Hey, uh, student council has decided there's going to be new rules and we should elect a leader. And Hey, look, we elected cap. Um, the baseball guy from our student council. 
and uh, they say, "Hey, no using powers in the school." And so this character named uh, they also give everyone jobs and like they basically try to form this little mini society. Um, and so this character named Asakazi, and he's got one of the superpowers, and he actually ends up being one of the most powerful of the power wielders. Um, and and he comes in just a rage, like you can't do that to us. And he his power is to literally control space. So he starts folding space in this room and shattering windows. And he and Cap points at him and says, "You get a penalty." And this black <laughs> X forms on his face, and he has to divide pi for hours. Uh, because in this world you can't break the school rules or you get penalized Um, uh, guys we need to talk about Asakazi though because he is as close as they're actually well that's not true either I would say he's the antagonist but he's not really he's also just another character trying to figure things out no one's really a super villain even though there's one character who's pretty close alright so what do you guys think of Asakazi I have mixed feelings about him. Yeah. No, I I have mixed feelings about him. Um he's he's very independent and that ends up biting him in the butt when it comes to what he wants versus working together with other people. And then he also ends up with a little bit of a high and mighty complex because he's his superpower seems to be the strongest out of everybody. Um he's he seems to think that he was selected by God to to be you know the the super superpower guy um but he can't seem to get out a coherent thought without being offensive <laughs> seems to be his issue um and he doesn't necessarily want to be rude to the people around him it's just kind of the way it comes out um yeah it, he's He's a very complex character, but I'm unsure. I'm un. I, I'm. I'm going to need some help getting some explanation of what his arc is and like what where his growth was because by the end he seems just confused and lost. To me, he seems like the um, the popular kid in high school that never grows up. Um, he wasn't popular in the first episode, except for oh, no, you're right. Power. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But he becomes popular throughout the season. And mm-hmm. so by the time the season ends, it's like among their group, like you said, he's got a kind of a God complex. And part of that's also encouraged because of someone who is <laughs> probably who you were thinking of, Troy, as the yeah. other potential villain. Right. And um, and so, he, you know, he's put in this situation where with all the power that he has, why wouldn't you think that you are special? Right. And how you react to that specialness and what you think that it means and how you should act and how you should what you should expect of others and your position and everything, all of that he has to deal with. And it almost seems like he's dealing with it still in school is is what it seems like to me, because he never seems to try to get away. Right. Like other characters, they try to leave that group. He's trying to stay there and become God of that group. And so that just kind of seems to me like he got left behind. Um, and then that does kind of literally happen eventually. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's just my interpretation, but that's, it seemed, I kind of liked him for that. There was also moments where we got to see inside his head and he's a nicer guy than he acts like. Yeah. He, well, that moment we see inside his head, we see that he just really likes people fluffing his ego, <laughs> even though he's yeah. like 
yeah, I know they're just fluffing my ego, but it feels good. Um, yeah. For me, if, if Nagara's lesson is you can't change the world, you should try anyway. Um, Asakazu is a really like fascinating opposite side of the coin where he has someone telling him you're special and you can change the world. And that suddenly makes him incredibly manipulatable. Um, he can be controlled and used by the person who tells him that. And I see reflection of that in, in the real world um, with, you know, people get told you're special and you can make the difference. Donate money today <laughs> uh, or, or whatever you, or, or worse. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, getting getting tricked into thinking you are special or, you know, you are the chosen one and how that can affect you. Whereas on the other side, Nagara is being told you're not special. <laughs> you're not a chosen one. You need to put effort in anyway. Uh, this is that dark side of the other side. You you need to put in effort because you are special and you need to put in effort for me because I told you that. <laughs> um and that's that's what I saw in Asakaze. At the end, I just think he he was lost without someone pulling his strings. He mm. whoever people were pulling his strings, let go. They didn't need him anymore. He lost his value, and he realized, oh my gosh, I was a puppet, and mm. this is the last thing I can do. But he has to suffer for eternity because of it. Ouch. Yeah, that's that's what I saw again. There's. There's things I latched onto that I'm sure made me blind to other things. Um, as I was like digging into themes, I was like, I'm so hyper focused on this theme. Mm-hmm. I know I'm missing others. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure that happened. It's yeah, really funny because that... I was on the other side. I was looking for themes and could not find them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I loved how in that scene uh, where he talks about having been left behind, he even describes like his other classmates and what they're all doing and where they've all disappeared to. And yeah, that was it was sad. <laughs> um, we we get a scene of the school council trying to give uh, Nozomi the cell phone. Jer- Jeremy alluded to this, where and she throws it on the ground. She doesn't want to be part of it. She gets punished as well. <clears throat> and and the students meet up and they're like, "What are we going to do to stop this this student council? They're they're overpowered. They're freaking out. Tyrants." Um, and and Nagara's like. What does, what does it matter? The rules are the rules. We'll just do what we're supposed to do. Um, but the school eventually does rebel. They uh, Asakazi folds the school so then they capture the student body. And then we see that they have powers too. Um, you know, Hoshi has the power to put things in your mind. Um, Cap, who it seems his power is the penalty thing. Uh, and, and then one of the girls has like a Naruto jutsu where she can swap you yeah. with an item. Uh, that was really cool, and I like that there was no like puff of cloud, just like literally one frame the character's there, and one frame a Pepsi can is there, and that's just the way it is. Um, when it reminded Cap... me of uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, What's that guys... from? Jujutsu Kaisen. Oh yeah, yeah okay, yeah. Yep. Guys, Jujutsu Kaisen has a movie coming out, and it's they have the audacity for there was a character that was mentioned off screen as like one of the most powerful students. And the movie is a prequel just about him and how he became a student. None of the main characters are in the Jujutsu Kaisen movie. Cause Whoa, they're, that, wow. they're like, we're that good. We don't even need our main characters to do. Oh my gosh. That blows my mind. All right. Already Next. ready for spinoffs. <laughs> Asakaze. Uh, 
isn't breaking any school rules in what he's doing though. So when he tries to get, uh, when Cap tries to penalize him, nothing happens. So Cap runs, walks up and bashes his head in with a baseball bat. And I was like, I am in. Let's go Lord of the Flies full on. I am ready. I, I love Lord of the Flies. And so I'm ready for like anime version of Lord of the Flies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't quite get that only for like the first two, two or three episodes, but, um, yeah, puts him on the ground. Blood's coming out of his head. And Hoshi points out, you're not the one who can do the penalty. That's a rule of the, we, we know now it's a rule of the world. Worlds have mm-hmm. rules. It's a rule of this world. And he puts a penalty on Cap, which makes him strip naked and <laughs> squats around the track. Yeah, he like squat hops away. <laughs> Humiliate him. Um, um, also, one thing to notice, even though he got bashed in the head, apparently the state that they went into this void is the state that they will exist forever. And mm-hmm. so if they get cut or bashed in the head or uh, you know, broken limbs, it reverts very quickly, but there is one character that has a broken arm, and that will never heal. Yeah. That would really suck. <laughs> right? But she's also kind of the Xavier, so it just makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of funny. Uh, um, there, we also get a flashback of Nagara back in school, um, and we see like a glimpse of his home life, like trash bags fill his apartment. Like he does not have a happy home life and a teacher trying to talk to him about his home life. I don't remember what they were talking about. He talks with Nozomi on the roof of this where she's tearing out the paper from her school books. And he's like, uh, I got to go. I'm busy. And she's like, yeah, people who say that aren't ever busy. They just don't have an excuse to actually be busy. Um, and she's hassling him. He's trying to get away. And we see a lightning bolt come in. And that was the moment the school went adrift. Well, while all this other stuff is happening with the students fighting, Nozomi says, you know, she's been saying, I can see a light out there and I'm going to go for it. And she runs and she jumps. And I mentioned before the girl who left through time, it like <laughs> it could be a scene <laughs> from that movie. Uh, she jumps, but Nagara catches her but holding onto a railing and then the railing breaks and they fall down into the void and the school has started to sink into the void as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what's really funny is whenever there's a character that sees something that no one else can see, normally they show it to the audience, like the point of view of that character. We never see the light she's talking about. So true. she could literally be hallucinating and we wouldn't know it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. As they oh, fall, as we're this... hallucinating with her just because this is yeah. this whole anime is a hallucination. <laughs> you know, you have to consider that in the early episodes. Like, is any of this even real? Yeah. Is he just yeah. going to wake up in his bed? <laughs> yep. And, you know, you could say, was any of that real? Yeah. Even in the final episode, I was still wondering. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, anyway, so they, they fall into the void and then suddenly the void disappears and it's replaced by an ocean and an island nearby and they fall into water and the ED kicks in, and it's a. I was again. I was like, okay, I'm in. That's that's pretty cool. It does, and that's how that's how the episode ends. Just hey, we're in we're in the ocean. The school is half in the ocean. We just are. Mm-hmm. That was with our Twitter user. Uh, <laughs> I did skip over a character we need. We definitely need to talk about uh, the character who stuck his hand out the window. His name is Rajdani. Um, I'll probably call him Raj because that's a lot to say. Um, and and not a real Indian name. These are all train names, apparently. Um, it's an Indian train, though. Yeah, it's an Indian train. 
so, but yeah, Rajdani, what did you guys think of him? I really like this character. Uh, I thought I thought he was great. He brought an analytical angle to everything, but in a smart and witty kind of funny way. Um, and I'm still unsure what his power is, but like his creations are are neat too because they're uh, again kind of wacky but serve a really important purpose for whatever purpose that they they are so yeah um i really like this character yeah he was i mean honestly if not for the two leading ladies he was probably my favorite character because not only did he bring that sense of of uh, analysis like you mentioned jason but his attitude toward the whole thing was just so uh accepting of their situation Let's move beyond it. Let's not get frustrated by being stuck in these weird situations. Let's just try to figure out what these rules are so that we can, you know, make the best possible life we can make out of this because we're stuck here. Most likely we're stuck here. And his ability to create things also seems so powerful. And they actually do play off that later, um, both with him going independent for a long time, which a lot of them couldn't. There's very few people that would be capable of going independent and living a life of, I would say, comfort, you know, where he gets to have whatever he wants to have because his power could do that. Um, yeah, I see you. I see you. Uh, <laughs> you're thinking there, Troy. <laughs> yeah, I was. Sorry. Got lost in thought about something, but yeah, no, no, no. Um, so, but yeah, I, I really like that about him. But go on. I'm curious what your response is. No, I, I well, to be fair, sorry. <laughs> ADHD moment. I, my thought was, oh, okay. was, was on whatever is next. But I actually wanted to ask you, Jeremy, what's his power? Is it light so, constructs? Yeah, I would just say that his power is basically to, basically to create whatever he wants. Um, now, it does show that he trades with Mizuho. I always have to keep checking for her name. But he trades with Mizuho, so maybe he can't construct food. Maybe there's other things that work better if he doesn't make them, but you know he makes he winds up making things that are effectively uh, technological equipment, and then he also makes things that are uh, completely autonomous and they walk around. He makes like these hands that go out and do things and climb through air as if they're walking on land. He so makes a video game power up too, like yeah, exactly. That the you, Mario like, Leap, smack you it, get the ears, yeah, yeah. So like his power seems to almost just be whatever he can program, he can create or whatever he can imagine and think about how would this work? Um, which kind of factors into him being this amazing programmer and hacker and everything. I liked that, you know, everyone else was worried about survival or are we going to work together or, um, you know, what's our next step him. It was like, if every new situation, it was a new puzzle to solve. And mm -hmm. I think that's what I really appreciated about. It. And I love that he, he ended up setting up a classroom just so he could like teach whatever new discovery he had to everyone, yeah. even if they didn't understand it. Yep. I also liked Rajani, and I especially liked his final episode in the, in the story. I, I love how evolved he's come, but he's still similar. Uh, and then the stories he tells about his experiences in these worlds. Um, I really appreciated that connection and also that he's kind of lost some grip on his sanity and yeah. he's it's okay <laughs> you could definitely tell um all right so now that we come to the first episode what i had been lost in thought about and again sorry <laughs> <laughs> no worries <laughs> um 
I wanted to talk about the theme. So uh, the theme, as Jeremy mentioned, this, this is about growing up. And no matter what I'm about to say, that is the correct answer. Um, at least in there's more than one theme here. There's a lot of stuff that this this anime is doing. But that is what even the director has said. This is a coming of age story. So hold on to that. If you disagree with me, then know that I've just gone into the weeds. But especially on episode six, but I've been looking back on my notes and figuring out how this all fits. I see that this anime is about not just growing up, but the, that point in growing up where you stop high school and become an adult and how bizarre that experience is. How you go from a, ch- I mean, an 18 year old, but you're a child, you're taken care of, your clothes are gotten for you your food's gotten for you so then suddenly you have a job you have to provide for yourself you have to do all these and all the whole your whole world changes and i saw that this anime and each episode feels like it, it dives into a certain aspect of that even now and this is where i got lost in thought in this episode starts with they're worried about the windows breaking in a school they've been stuck in a dimension for two weeks on they cannot see life past the school all they are is students um, they can't even think of living outside of that. Um, and that, that's where we start. And then we're going to break them out slowly into everything you have to go through to become an adult. Um, the reason that that hit me and resonated with me so much is because I have 20 year old daughters who have li- are literally still going through the final stages of that. Right. My, my daughter at college calls me up and she's like, this is hard. Like I had to pay bills on time and budget out food. This is really hard. I had to keep washing my own laundry over and over. And we made them do their own laundry and stuff. But mom was there to back them up if they forgot or help them out whenever anything went wrong. They're they're living life on their own. And I remember that point in my life, too, um, and how bizarre it was because you just you are a kid one day and an adult the other day. And no matter what you learned in school, it was not everything you need to know. No one just prepares you for the mental weight of. So every day is going to be the same. And if you don't do it, you'll just die. And <laughs> no one to save you. Like you have you have to keep going to that job. It doesn't matter what the job is. Uh, you know, you have to. You had to live a mundane life. There's a quote in the end of near the end of this anime. Life is an endless exercise in vain effort. And I love that quote because that is what this is about. That as an adult, it is vain effort for eternity and then you die. <laughs> and there's beauty in that, which is what this anime is trying to say. It's not trying to be it's a positive <laughs> yeah. when it says that, which is hard to believe. But it, that is what it's saying. That is a beautiful thing that we do. Um, so. Each episode, I will be telling you how that fits into my theme, because I have done nothing but think about it for three days. All right. So, so, so I think that the penalty actually could fit in two ways, according to your theme. The first way is that the penalty is based on the school, so it's rules that are there that mm-hmm. children must follow. But yeah. the second is those rules they wrote, they voted, they decided. So it's also sort of a, uh, you know, a consensus that adults make to say we agree to follow these rules and then when you break the rules that you as adults have agreed to follow there is a penalty that is enforced yeah. so it kind of is both sides of that coin for this particular rule that's pointed out i i like that too i was kind of thinking like just the fact that they even follow a student council like what is a student mm-hmm. council right now we we yeah. are not in school we are technically in a school but we are not in school you have no authority you can't just decide yep. to be in power there's no reason to listen to you 
Um, yeah. yeah but, but yeah, I really like that you, you get into the real world and now there's penalties when you break the rules. There's not just that slap on the wrist. There's, okay, I'm going to stipend your wages. You, you're getting a ticket. You're going to jail. Yep. Um, yeah. All right. Episode two. Oof. We... <laughs> Already, <laughs> like all this we, time, we're just now getting that, episode that two. always happens because there's so many characters. Uh, yeah. well, not just that, but there's also a lot of high level, like yes. complicated it, it, it thoughts up, that I we had to get out. Yeah, yeah. anyway, next character, Mizuho. <laughs> She's the lady <laughs> at the burning a tree on blue fire. Uh, she is the cat lady. And what do you guys think of her? I, I love this character. Um, She's snarky. Uh, she's wait, 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 wait. wait. What? Did, didn't you say you didn't like that the Zomi was snarky? Didn't you literally yes, use the word snarky? <laughs> okay, but the reason I liked her is because she went through an arc of where she found out that that wasn't the best way to communicate with people. The Zomi never learns that lesson. Cool. That's we fair. have a clarification. I'm good. Um, yeah, she, she she comes off as uh, standoffish. She has walls that she's not letting anybody down. She wants to be a loner, but she's sad that she's a loner. Um, and and she goes through a really clean arc of, you know, uh, friends are great, and uh, I need to not be such a selfish person. Um, and I love her cats. Her cats are amazing. <laughs> the Amazon cats. Amazon cat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. I, I love how how much of a laugh that gets out of you too. I like it every time. But yeah, yeah. That, was, that was great. Jeremy, what did you yep. think of her? Um, this is my favorite character. I love this character. Um, I think that her backstory is really interesting. Like the, the degree of loner that she is, and the degree of like my only friends are these cats to the point where I want to eat my rice on the floor like a cat. <laughs> which her mother and grandma are not very happy with. Um, and so it makes her a really fascinating character to start with. But then also the backstory that she was aware of corruption in the student council election, tried to point it out, wound up getting beat down for that as far as like reputation wise and everything. And so like her entire response to the world around her right now seems to be based off of that combination of starting as kind of a loner but then also seeing corruption and being um, put in a situation where you realize you can't stop it. You can't stop the corruption. And this is making her mad. It's making her snarky. It's making her not want to be around people. She can't trust anybody, doesn't want, you know, knows that everybody is going to be mean to her as well. Um, and sure enough, they do a witch hunt against her. Actually, you're right, because the very first time we meet her, she's watching someone steal from her. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like So... Like her life and her relationship with the people around her, she's got nothing positive uh, that anyone has really shown her as far as these classmates go um, that we're aware of where she could actually look at them and be like, you know, you I want to be a friend with you. I, I want to be a friend to you. Um, and that doesn't happen until later. And it actually winds up being something that Nagara has to work a bit for. Um, so, yeah, she's really cool. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Mizuho. I was wondering where they were going with her. I love when she gets upset with Nagra for his giving up ways. Um, and I like that she's just a cat person who wants to take care <laughs> of her cats. Um, 
again, just like Nazumisha, I think she's a really strongly written character. Um, who, but it, it, not the same way. Very, very unique voice. Uh, mm-hmm. almost, almost a very pessimistic, negative way of pushing Nagara to his best self, whereas Nozomi is more of a positive influence, mm-hmm. or, or in a positive way, being a good influence. They're both being a good influence. They have very different ways of helping him along. Uh, and that they become best friends. Uh, yeah, she's a she's a great character. It's almost like the the two girls are the carrot and the stick, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like she's better than Nozomi. Okay. I think so. <laughs> I, th- I I was just thinking about it as Troy was, or no, as Jeremy was mentioning her backstory. Did we get any backstory for Nozomi? No, she's she uh-huh. is the she is a transfer student, and that's all we get told about her. I think that might be why I connected better with Nozomi, or not Nozomi, Mizo, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, because we got to see like who she is as a person, how she got to where she is and how she's growing. Yeah. But yeah. that makes sense. And that, I think that's a really fair point to make. Um, all right. So they now live on this Island that they landed next to. And Asukazi has been flying around exploring as far as his powers can hold up, uh, which at this time is very limited, but becomes much more. Uh, they're all growing in their, their power, but, he he basically points out you know, it's just nonstop ocean. This entire world is ocean except for this island. Um, and then we do see and there's this, uh, one house on it, a castle. They, is that what you mean? No, it's a mansion, and that's uh, okay. the cats brought it. Yeah, the cats brought the mansion. <laughs> they brought a mansion. Any, anytime you see anything that <laughs> looks like it's just a real world thing, uh, and especially if Mizuho's there, that's just something. At one point, she's in Costco. And it's just because yeah. she had the cats bring her a Costco. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. It's great. So I do not understand how her power could work because right, my first thought was, okay, it has to be something the cats can carry. But no, that's not a factor. <laughs> nope. Because uh, they also, come in boxes. It made, yeah. it made deciphering the story really hard because at one point we see her in a bedroom in a mansion. And I'm like, oh, here's our flashback. And then they cut to Nagara on the outside, and then they walk out together, and they're on the island. And I'm like, okay, not a flashback. Change that note. What am I doing? And even the the first scene of this episode was her standing in front of that burning tree. And I'm like, oh, so this is like what's going to happen at the end of the episode. Nope. That is literally how this episode starts. And the first moment in chronological order, even though it's it's presentation is like it would be. But it is linear, and that's insane because it's presenting like it's not. All right, so yeah, the a piece of lipstick gets stolen from her. Um, the the they the, have the they make a classroom on the beach so they can talk about what's going on. Uh, and then <coughs> Nagra has been exploring the school and finding doors into other worlds. Um, and so they they start you know looking for these actively to find more find more worlds, see if there's any that lead them home. And when I say world, I mean like. Dimension. You look a lava lamp, you know, like it just looks like the background's a lava lamp, or or it's it's a shiny silver, or it's just blue. Um, they're not or like if you, if you get like uh, what is it called when they shove your head in a toilet and flush it? Swirly, <laughs> swirly. Yes, like if you somebody gives you a swirly and all of a sudden you find yourself in a big red pool of liquid and there's centipedes crawling that are like dinosaur sized below you. That's a world. 
a horrifying world. So, so there's worlds that are like a world you would think of, and then there's some that are just like color palettes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I have to see it to believe. Also, we get we get a lot of flash uh, close-ups of Nozomi's eyes. I don't actually understand that, <laughs> but beautifully it's, drawn. Yeah. Yeah. And is it isn't isn't it every time that she's like looking at Nagara and like almost pushing a thought into his mind or something? I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to I influence him. Yeah. But but I think this is really cool because it's the first glimpse that we start to get at like what is causing all of these worlds to occur. And they define that as being like Nagara being the observer is what they call him. And and then later they explain that it's not that he's necessarily um, creating these new worlds, but in fact is picking possibilities out of the endless infinite void of possibilities that could exist. Right. Well, we're not even that far. So right now they just think he's finding doors to them. Later they think right. he has the power to move between them, and then eventually they discover, no, he's actually making them. But he's not actually making them. Right. Right. <laughs> He's actually. And then they just start like blaming him for not taking him back to the. That's road. later. We're, exactly. We're jumping. We're jumping ahead. Um, yep. The stolen lipstick catches on fire. The same blue fire the tree was on. Uh, and they mentioned that this has happened a couple times now. That this blue fire has burned down whatever they've built. Um, we see her, her in her mansion. She's got taken care of her cats. More blue fires. And then Mizuho is identified as, you know, all these items that catch on fire are from her. So a mob starts forming and we do get that that backstory of her catching one of the, the student council, the president, basically cheating to win. Oh. And it was Hoshi that was causing that to happen. And when they catch her trying to expose it, Hoshi tries to manipulate her. He's like, yeah, well, if the teacher finds out, he might lose his job and he's your friend. So. Like, just being a real jerk about it. And they're like, oh, yeah, this guy's super villainous. But what I came what I came to interpret it as, these are high schoolers caring about high school things. And then later, these things just didn't matter. Yeah, I, I manipulated the, the student council vote in high school. We live on an island now. <laughs> like, yeah. that doesn't matter. We have to survive. We have, you know, none of that drama mattered. And so they kind of let some of that go um it took a lot though because in the yes. end you could still see that there was a lot of resentment and i yes. think the resentment stems from the simple fact that like if that's the tactics that you used however long that was ago which probably wasn't that long right then who's to say that you don't still have those same exact morals even though the situation has changed so that means i can't trust you you're still gonna do things underhandedly and be corrupt we get a conversation with Nagara and Nozomi about how he <laughs> didn't help a bird the day they they adrifted. This is just, again, him. I can't change the world, so I'm not putting an effort to do anything. I can't save the bird, so why would I try to save the bird? It's also him being the bird. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Nozomi... What? He's, <laughs> never, he's, never, he please. he's the bird. <laughs> Nozomi helps people through their character arcs. Right, uh, and he has really... a feather on him in the beginning. And then remember the flashback with the dog guy. There's the bird in that. You know, the bird is the broken guy that needs to be fixed. And the Zomi heals okay. and lets them fly away. All right, they could, uh, so Hoshi and his group confront Mizuho. Um, 
And then it's Raj who figures out, oh. Jason is not impressed. <laughs> uh, you, if you just get an item from someone, it's going to catch on fire, including items from me. It has nothing to do with her. It's just she has the power to make items, so they mostly have been coming from her. But if you trade for it, it won't catch on fire. So, um, so he makes an app. So he makes an app <laughs> so that they can play And he creates cryptocurrency. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's too late, though. This uh, group from by Hoshi, they, they throw rocks at Mizuhu's house and her cat is missing. So she rains money down on the island. <laughs> and all the money catches on fire. And so the entire <laughs> island catches on fire. And um, Asakaze gets it to rain. And then suddenly the island... It's fine. All the fire's gone. Everybody's fine. That's never explained, by the way. Yes, the it is. Raining it is. money. It is. Oh, yeah, that is too. That, she she did it. No, no, she, no. It. she did it is not an explanation for it because okay, she has later. It. Ordered it from the Amazon. Yeah. Right, but everything Air she drop. orders comes in the boxes, not rains down. Well, how did the house get there? Came in a box. I bet it came as an assembled unit. <laughs> I don't think she no, went I, through the work of putting no, it obviously together. Obviously, later on when they're when they're building their big structure, you know. But I'm just saying it. It was weird that that. Yeah, uh, this this. Anime. I bet you any kind of like FedEx delivery is a valid way for Amazon to work. So you know, second day air <laughs> probably. Oh, oh, yeah, just from the plane, they just drop. Yeah, it <laughs> exactly. Meanwhile, Nagara finds her hurt cat and. Runs back into the fire to find her and bring it to her. Um, and so they confront the group and she, you know, confesses, okay, I did rain the money down and burn the island down. My bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but I wasn't the one responsible for the fires and I wasn't, I'm not the reason we're here. Um, so please leave me, you know, back off. Um, and then she gives Nagara a hat. And it doesn't catch on fire. This is a clue to what we learned later, which is that they are the switched worlds and the rules have changed. That makes more sense. Because when I saw that, I was like, okay, so all of those times that things were given, there was actually some resentment and they weren't a real gift. And that's why they burned. But this makes more sense that it's another world. And we do find well, that it's another world because they go they go back to the burnt world, and I'm just yeah. assuming the rule is different. Yours it also could sense. be. Yours is plausible, though. No, no, yeah. no. They they explained it that that's what happened is they switched okay. worlds to, to an identical island. I thought at yeah. the time, oh, because he brought her the cat, he's already given her Same something. Here. Yeah. Uh, I, why did the cat catch on fire then? <laughs> that poor cat. Well, I guess <laughs> it's a different cat, but two of her cats. My goodness. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then no, Nozomi identifies the light again, and she's like, I can see the light. It's farther away, but it's still there. And she's like, that's my power. I can see the way home. I'm the compass. She calls it calls it compass. Yep. Uh, doesn't she go up with Asakazi, and they never get close to the light, even though they like start traveling at they it? They send him with like a camera, I thought. Oh, okay. But yeah, he, he goes like trying to get closer to yeah. the light and can never get to it. Can never reach it. Um, okay. Theme. So this is how you don't 
when you're a kid, people just give you stuff. And then you're an adult. You had to buy stuff. It seems kind of simple. <laughs> yeah. I saw it and, as, okay, so we have uh, basic rules established, basic laws established in the first one. Now we're going to refine them down. And no stealing. Stealing's bad. <laughs> but it wasn't just stealing. It was it was literally like you can't even, even – so again – Hey, all my clothes are given to me. My grandma gave me my mm-hmm. money and stuff. Now everything you have to earn and trade, even though they get rid of that rule in these next episodes, but it basically it forces an economy on these on these characters. And now, mm-hmm. and that's what happens to you when you become an adult. You're oh, now I'm part of an economy. Yep. Fun. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But if you give someone something, then that means they have a burning responsibility to you. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. Chasing with the deep subtext. That's right. I'm totally joking. <laughs> Jason sees the themes. What if the director was like, oh, that, that's correct, guys. That, that's yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> All right. Uh, they make Nagara go into a toilet portal. This is the, the world Jeremy was mentioning. Um, uh, uh, what's happening in this episode is we're finding students who are frozen as statues. Um, and basically mizuho they're like we need someone to investigate mizuho you need to do it fine i'll do it and she makes nagara tag along and they 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 find the first student and he's listening to a live stream on his on his earbud he is live stream oh he that's right he's the he's the streamer with no audience hey (laughs) we're not streaming that's true (laughs) But who knows? So <laughs> uh, they, as they continue to investigate, they find a couple more students, and so they do some investigations. And basically, these 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 people aren't well liked. And like they talk to a worker camp, a group of people who become workers that are doing that's the job they were assigned. And they're like, yeah, they they slouched. They didn't they didn't help. They weren't helpful. So if they're gone, they're gone. Good good for that. Um, or they're like, wait. They- that person's missing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been days. Um, uh, we also learn uh, that Mizuho, Mizuho's powers, the, the copying, uh, or the Nyamazon, uh, was happening before the school went adrift. Mm-hmm. Power, and we, we've now, we learned some powers were showing up before the adrift happened. Like the, the, Guy talking in the dude's Voice in the head. brain. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hoshi. Yep. Um, in fact, Hoshi knew they were going to go adrift before they went, right? Right. And he before went to he school. Before he even got he, to school. Yeah. Right. He went to school anyway to help them, to be, to help. Which we kind of see is is what Hoshi is. Hoshi does think he, what he's doing is for the best. He is manipulative and kind of a jerk about it, but he does actually want to help uh, his fellow students. Yeah. Um, they keep investigating, and they have a fight. And when they do, uh, Nagra gets upset, and then suddenly, like a curtain pulls away, and it like you're you it's the background of the world, and then suddenly it just splits in half, and it just opens up as curtains, and they go inside the curtains, and they find divided off by these curtains, people. The, the people that are statues and the one guy, he's playing his video game and trying to live stream. One guy's doing his exercises, whatever they were doing. Um, they're off behind these curtains doing. 
Um, so they report that uh, they have another fight, and then they come to the conclusion to get rid of the curtain. They they use inventions from Raj and <laughs> super pulley arms or something, and yeah. send the the curtains away. Um, it disappears and it turns like, into a skirt. They, they blow it up so that there's fragments from the curtain too. Right, right. They find like a skirt that is also the curtain. Yeah, um, the um the school council leader uses it later, so it becomes important. Yeah, Hoshi, uh, his voice tells him uh, about uh, a savior is coming to the island, and that seems like good news. You would think. Ha. Ah. Uh, this episode. <laughs> To me, seems to be exploring the idea of neats, which is kind of more of a, a Japanese thing than an American thing. I'm sure we have our our similarities there, but um, we've talked about neats on the podcast before. ReZero, we we got into it. Um, people who don't want to go to school or go to work, and that's just mm. we run into something that someone becoming an adult in Japan would have to face. <laughs> you know, now this one didn't click to me, but that makes perfect sense now. All right. Uh, next episode. Um, there is a a hole in the island. These rocky cliffs, and then a black void that you can just dive into and like float around in. And apparently, this is Asakazi's power holding the island up. I don't understand that. They say it multiple times. He's like, "Why didn't anyone ever give me credit for holding the island up? <laughs> I don't know what the island was sinking into. Maybe the ocean. Maybe not." I don't know. Jeremy? <laughs> um, I mean, it just has to be what they stated. If he's holding it up, then he's holding it up. Right. Oh, Someone yeah. jumps into it, and they end up doing like this technicolor flippy action that's all... Mm-hmm. Someone, her name is Nozomi, and then... you put respect on her name. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then she comes up out of it as if it's water, and I'm like, this doesn't make sense. So which one of you, which one of you is it? Wow, that was a weird thing to say. It just didn't sound right coming up. But, but yeah, are you the one that was bounced off the reflection or are you the one that went in it? And I think that plays with the probabilities, right? You're, you're having both occur simultaneously. So you're seeing the probability that never happens as she bounces off. And then the real her comes back up. Nagara is scared to jump, but he's pushed and is heading straight for a rock below. But instead, he lands on home plate back on the high school. But then he's back on the rock with the monkey. Uh, oh, yeah, don't there's the a monkey. Mon- right. So it's not the blue, mon- so- blue one armed monkey. <laughs> yep. No, the blue monkey doesn't have one arm. The other monkey That's has true. one arm. It's a blue monkey and a one arm oh. monkey. They're, they're separate. Yeah. We're going to get to the monkeys. Don't worry. They're arch enemies. <laughs> they look more like Sasquatch. Anyway. Yes, they, they do. do. Uh, so now everyone's like, wait, did Nagra just teleport us home and then accidentally send us back to the island? And that becomes a big deal. People are like, okay, Nagra can change the world. He's probably the reason we're here. He's, <laughs> he's our, probably our way home. Uh, so this is going to become a big deal. While they are in the middle of the jungle eating at like a, um, what is it? Curry stand? That one of the students has created. I love it. He's in the back with a chef hat. And yeah. Pounding out new seasonings. I'm like, okay. Uh, Asakazi is like, hey, get us home. Get us home right now. Do it. He's like, I, I don't know how to do it. Leave me alone. Um, and then Cap shows up. 
Asakazi's still not a big fan of Cap since last time they talked. They, he got hit by a baseball bat. Um, <laughs> Cap has apologized. He said he was, you know, he lost control and it was his fault. <laughs> I love that. Why doesn't he just accept my apology? All I did was hit him in the side of the head with a metal baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> so he asked Nagra for help practicing baseball. He's like, why don't you ask the guy who's a baseball player in our class? And he's like, no, he's really good and he doesn't he doesn't practice. Uh, so I want to practice with you. So they go with them. The girls really want to. So they go to this baseball diamond that he has created uh, and they, they practice baseball. And he starts talking about the monkey league. And <laughs> he's like, yeah, these monkeys come and they play baseball on in this island. Now, also, the monkey league is its own world, too. And, and so that's important because we learn here about conquering worlds. Um, but tells the story about, yeah, there was the, the great big blue monkey and how great he was at baseball. And the monkeys love baseball. Then they go and they Who taught they, them. They got a book from the baseball player. He gave them the book. Yes. And time and space bend here. So. Yes. Even though lot... we did it now, it could have happened <laughs> right. thousands of years Which ago. We don't know yet, so it doesn't make any sense. Right. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah, he gave him a book. Also, they have this huge league, and there was this huge – he's telling, like, this epic tale. Like, he, it, it's the 100th anniversary of the sport for these monkeys. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, the guy – his name is Ace. Of course it is. Um, <laughs> they go to him because apparently he has a light, a flashlight that lets you see the monkeys. And they're asking yeah. him for it, and they're like, we'll trade you for it. And he's asking for like a lot of – he's like, I want all this stuff. And he says, okay, I'll play you baseball for it. And he makes a bet with Nagara, which we don't get to hear, but what he ends up making is, um, if you win, I'll give you the light. If I win, you get us the freaking home. And I <laughs> I hate you. And I really yeah. – this is not a – this is one real big scene in this anime, but I love this character. And I love the idea of – and I don't love it because I, I wasn't <laughs> – the super jock who then hits the real world and he's like, oh, wait, none of these skills transfer <laughs> unless unless <laughs> I became an actual pro baseball player. The fact that I was the best baseball player in high school doesn't matter. And and he's facing it. So Nagra and Asakazi have these super amazing powers. And he's like, I'm nothing here. I hate it here. I don't want to be nothing anymore. Get me home. I hate you, Nagra. And that's a that's a intense thing to explore uh they go to practice and while they're practicing we hear the whole story of the monkey league which is the story of the monkey league is uh, there was this game the blue monkey was pitching he was the greatest pitcher of all time he was pitching a perfect game and he messed up one pitch and the umpire called it a ball and the crowd lost their mind and eventually i think he the pitcher walked the walked the guy no, so he deliberately threw three more balls. Oh, because he was like, game. yeah, okay. yep. And so then everybody got so angry they came down and tore the umpire apart. Yeah, and the the important part is the first um- decision. The umpire yeah. is like, I am baseball. I am the rules. And then they murdered him. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am baseball. <laughs> that to me, back to the theme. Is you hitting the real world and realizing life isn't fair. Wait, but there's all these rules we are all supposed to play by. Yeah, well, we bend the rules for some people get the rules bent for them. Some people get good jobs because they're who their dad is like it's not a fair world. 
And we're not doing anything to change that. We decided we like it better that way as a mass. And that's just the way the world is. Um, that's what I see that as, hey, here's the story of the umpire getting murdered by the, the monkeys because they wanted the game to be better. So mm-hmm. forget Again, I'm over hyper focused on my theme. I, I think this probably has a lot of different meanings and probably another meaning. But that's where I, what I was seeing. My favorite line, and I did not like Cap the entire time until this episode or the next one. I'm not sure, but he they're they're talking about like you know practicing and like what you know why aren't you taking it more seriously? And he, he come he came to the realization that I don't I don't try to compete with Ace because Ace has a level of talent that I will never reach, no matter how much practice I put in. But I love the game. So I play mm-hmm. the game, but I don't play the game to be professional. Ace could be professional right. and coming to that realization of I'm never going to be a pro player, but I, I just played to, because I like to play, right, right. um, can be, can be tough for some people. Yeah. And, and he says like, I'm like, I think I'm gonna give up baseball. Um, and they, they go to the game, uh, Ace pitches out the two girls. They never had a chance. No one thought they would. Nagara goes up. He's got two strikes. Um, and, He's shaking, right? Yeah, and, and mm-hmm. I forget I forget what inspires him. He looks down and sees the dead he, umpire. He sees the he? dead umpire monkey, which means he can switch the world. That the only way he would see them is if he went to the monkey world. Um, or he's hallucinating. Yeah, but <laughs> oh, it was the umpire had one arm, and yeah. again, very much what you just said, Jason. Uh, he loved the game, and that's why he was involved. Um, and so Nagra goes for it and he misses and he strikes out, but he's fine because, you know, he, at least he came to his inner realization. And I like that, but it wasn't like he won through the power of his belief. Yes. Uh, I was very oh, happy that he lost. I thought Ace, for sure he was going to hit it. And I was like, don't, don't, don't. Okay, good. Yeah. Ace was still a better baseball player. That never, nothing he did change, but he also conquers the monkey baseball world and he gets this fuzzy thing attached to his shirt. And this is when they realize, Hey, if you conquer the world, you get things. Uh, now that's right. Yeah, now that's the first thing that I'm really not clear on with this is how did he conquer the monkey world? That's not the first thing I'm unclear on. <laughs> <laughs> like there's other worlds later that they conquer and I can kind of see it like the mouse maze world and some of the others, but this monkey one I'm like what how did he conquer the monkey world? All he did was see the monkey and then not hit the ball. I guess he conquered it by internally coming to some conclusion, but what did that have to do with that world? I mean, obviously these worlds are linked to the internal struggles people have because there is a world in a in a backstory that that is the entire issue that plays out in that world is linked to the inside of people. Okay, so here's here's the thing about and they're called this worlds, right? We're we're mm-hmm. going to just call them worlds. That's fine. I just wanted to make sure the audience knew. Yes, yes. Nagra can make worlds. But it does seem like every character also has a world out there specifically for them. Yeah, I agree with that. And I would assume this was Ace's world. And by beating Ace, not at baseball, but just in general, (laughs) philosophically, that conquered Ace's world. So my question then is, you say he beat him, but what I see is apathy, basically saying, I can't win. I'll try, but I know that I can't win because he's a really good baseball player. At least he swung. Maybe it was just the act of swinging, because I don't think yeah. he swung the first two times, did he? Maybe it was just 
No, I think you're right. I don't think he swung the first two times. So maybe it was just the the act of trying and doing it yeah. for the love of the game. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it is interesting, and tell me if I'm mistaken. The worlds that are kind of there, either for those students or other worlds that they li- they go and visit, those seem to be fairly fleshed out. They have rules. There's other creatures. There's topography. The ones that Nagara seems to create don't seem to. They seem to be void worlds. Um, not all of them. But there. Some of them, yeah. Like, whose is the island world that they're on? Right. Like, I don't know that that is anybody in this class. Right. Um, so if they wound up going there because Nagara led them there when he fell, it is. Great, it, it's it is a pretty. It's one world. made for Nagara. Because he tries to be an island by himself. Oh, oh, there it is. That's actually not bad. That yeah, actually, it, it being actual Nagara's island makes the most sense too. But then that island has to be held up by Aka Akashababa, whatever his name is. <laughs> Asakazi. Yeah, Asakazi. <laughs> it's got to be held up by him. So maybe that fits too, because Nagara needs to be propped up by somebody. Look at Nozomi's relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing about the island, though, is that time moves the same as the real world on the island. Because yeah, you're yeah, right. Because the anime expands over two years, and right, yeah. Um. All right. Uh, the savior has arrived. Miss Aki comes walking out of the ocean. Uh, this is a science teacher from the school, and she is pissed. Um, guys, thoughts on Miss Aki? Who is probably actually the villain? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if she really is Aki or if she's like a doppelganger of Aki uh, because they describe someone completely different. Um, and, and we're and they told notice, teachers can't come to this world, yep. only students. Right. So either she's a construct or she's a, a different version of this, of the original character. Or a shapeshifter. Um, but she's she's one of the only two adults that we see in the anime. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, and the only teacher. So that's that's funny that that seems to be the villain character. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially she also with seems, yeah. <laughs> she also seems to represent, like, the dangers of over sexualization i don't know it it's kind of getting those vibes from because she's the only one drawn that way right and everyone else is it. drawn nearly like you don't have the huge anime eyes on any of the girls maybe nozomi um like it, the the classic anime drawing wasn't really here except for miss aki miss aki was very much that you know that tropey anime drawing so i i think that was if I'm looking for meanings, that's kind of what I saw. Well, to your point, that's what she kept doing with that. Asakazi. You know, she kept grabbing him and that was like her both sexual and comforting act at the same time, shoving his head into her breasts. Right. And later we see that, yeah, this definitely does affect him as to be expected. Um, because when the girl's reading his mind, that's what he's thinking about. <laughs> I love that they acknowledged it, too. I love that it wasn't yeah. just like a joke that it was. No, this is a real thing. And it's really affecting him. And yeah, and, and, 
Yeah. And so I, I do think that you may have something there um, that that this may be that that trap of uh, a carnality um, leading towards like a, a um, debauched life, you know, or being easily manipulated by those sorts of things. That's what I was thinking is being easily manipulated by either a motherly character or a um, over, overly sexualized character. Mm hmm. Other than that, yeah, I, I definitely think she's a shape-shifting student. That's my guess. Um, and it's really fascinating because, like you said, they they make it clear that she was a nice person. And we do see her a little bit in some flashbacks. And she is a sweet person. The real but one. She comes up onto the beach like a, a <laughs> drill instructor. Yeah, she's terrifying. And and so this, this is, there's definitely something going on there. And she's constantly talking about how it's the will of God. This is the first time that we heard anybody talk about God. And I'm like... What? What's going on here? This is so crazy. You know, how does God factor into this? Because ordinarily, when you have such a, like, we're going to play with quantum physics and we're going to play with all these alternate dimensions and we're going to play with all this stuff. Ordinarily, there's a little bit of a, like, a reluctance to also include God in there because the two are, you know, not always compatible. And so I thought, where is this story going to go? This is really interesting. And uh, I, I don't think it disappointed, although it did kind of, having God in the picture in the manner that they presented him kind of left a safety net for any of the issues where you were like, well, this doesn't quite make sense. Well, it was God's whim. Okay. All right. You did say that. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, far as Mrs. I do think you're hitting on something there too, Jason. I also saw a, I don't know if you guys have had this experience. Have you ever run into your teacher of former teachers as an adult? Yeah. It, it's yeah. bizarre. <laughs> so, yeah. Over equals now. And you're a person and you're flawed. Uh, I, you were my mentor. I looked up to you. You were, you were a figure of authority and guidance. And then they're just a person and, and they're, they're not old. <laughs> they're, they're <laughs> old <laughs> and they're, 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 you're not looking to them for advice. They're not there to give you advice. Um, I, I live in the, go ahead. They're way shorter than I remember. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I live in the same hometown I went to high school in. Um, and so as my daughters go through high school and I go to parent teacher conferences and it's my former teacher, but now I'm the parent. So the relationship is a hundred percent different. And I, and so that is a, a change is that people who were, you looked up to leadership and you saw that side of them that they are playing a role. And then you go to the other side, adulthood. They're just human beings too good bad whatever uh clearly misaki is bad and i don't think i don't think it's a perfect analogy because misaki i don't think it is the actual misaki you know i think the student mentions misaki went to that school as a student in the past but i don't know if anyone in the past can go adrift because i thought the r36 students were the first to go adrift in that was my impression timeline mm -hmm. but even if they were even if she was able to go adrift as a past because space and time is bendy and whatnot um i don't know why she would manifest as an adult because that would imply that she would right. enter as an adult right uh this is one of the things that when i i searched through reddit there are multiple plausible theories we've hit on both of them and and yeah there's there's no answer good for you for <laughs> Maybe season two nope Nope. Season two on this one. <laughs> this is an original series, no light novel, no manga, no no second season. This is done. 
Um, basically, hey, they told the guy who did One Punch Man, hey, you can do whatever you want. Here's your money. <laughs> and he did. Um, you know, right. I could actually go for like a whole bunch of episodes of like, give me another weird world. All right. Give me another weird world. Go to the next weird world. I could totally just keep doing that. Uh, we see them in a video game world in the next episode. Uh, it looks like Pac-Man, but there's mice being chased by cats. They rescue the mice and bring them to a different world. And in doing so, get a computer mouse that is alive and sentient. I really thought they were going to go the direction of like Mouse City or Rat City. I can't remember which one it's called, but like where you create this paradise, this safety place for rats and mice. They overpopulate and they become like messed up and and mm. eventually they just the whole thing collapses and they become they like separate off into groups and start attacking each other. And it becomes really, really terrifying. Um, I thought that's where they were going with this when they had like the the grid of all the mice that they saved and the grid just started filling up and i was like ooh is it going to overflow like what no no they're not going that deep <laughs> uh this is where they talk about the power holdovers so worlds if you conquer them you get a power in this case it's that sentient mouse and it untangles things uh like the girl i forget which girl holds it but her sweater starts to unravel when which while she holds it i thought and is this where the etchy part happens <laughs> Raj has been collecting these uh, as they have been exploring these different worlds and he's fascinated by them meanwhile the rest of the class is discussing Miss Aki and how she's there and what they need to do about it they also talk about how you know what Nagara can move worlds and that's what happened to us when we got lost sure seems like he Wanted that to happen. Um, and some people had powers before we went adrift. Right. Mm. Uh, then we get the scene where Misaki comes to Asakaze and tells him how special he is and gives him a big booby hug. <laughs> um, we see that they've been collecting items. The class confronts Nagara. Um, Hoshi defends him. And he's trying to tell everyone that Miss uh, Aki is not going to be the savior that they thought she was. Uh, he can tell that she's manipulative, probably because he is as well. Uh-huh. And then, and then we get a beautiful scene between Nagara and no- Nozomi fishing um, off the dock, and she takes him diving to see the minnows who who swirl around them. Just a really pretty scene. I'm sure it has more meaning. I, I don't have done it for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> She's attempting to push him into uncomfortable situations. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, then we get more accusing of Nagara. He admits that he doesn't really want to go back at this time. Um, Mizuho at this point says that she thinks she caused the drift because God told her that. And I have that note written up. Um... Yeah, then Nagara just feeling down, and then, oh, he. this is where he runs away. Uh, Nagara runs away, and so his friends go searching for him, and they find him on the burnt island, and Raj realizes, oh, wait. <laughs> I thought, we thought the island healed, but actually we just switched worlds. The burnt island was one world, and then the healed island is a second world, and that means... He's not just traveling between worlds. He's actually creating worlds for us. Um, 
And I don't really have anything theme-wise for this. Okay. <laughs> then we come to episode six, which is a much, much bigger deal. Um, we see Hoshi talking to God. Uh, so God uh, looks like an old man in a wheelchair. Uh, we're going to find out soon that he was also the principal of the school. And I love how he the was? explanation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I missed that. 100% I missed that. Oh, yeah. And I love how, like, one of the students asks, like, wait, wh- why of our school? Oh, that's just chance. Yeah. He just to be a pre- that way. He's going to be a principal of someone's school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Raj and Nagra are in a world that's like a movie world. There's a movie theater. There's all these reels. And all the video is Nagara's point of view. Like, whatever he saw, that's what's on these videos. Um, and so they're exploring there. Meanwhile, uh, Mizuho is exploring a Costco that she had created for herself. And she meets a dog inside of it and brings the dog over to Nagara. And the dog starts talking. And we learned that this is Yana Biko. He is a student. He he was a freshman when these guys were seniors. Mm-hmm. He he went adrift after them, mm-hmm. but went into a different world where time moves differently. And he's been here for five thousand years. And at some point, he turned into a dog. Guys, yep, I love his backstory. Let's talk about mm-hmm. Yanabika. What do you think of him? I love this character so much. Um, he's obviously a sage type character. Wise be <laughs> wise beyond his years. No, he's five thousand mm-hmm. years old. Um. <laughs> When we get to his backstory episode, um, I think I'll dive deeper into it. But um, his experiences, which lead him to kind of the way he acts and why he's a dog, um, I think are fascinating. Um, I wish there was more about this character and also the world that he spent a lot of time in because he was a world traveler, like uh, this world traveler, like he went between worlds um, for a long time. But, uh, yeah, he see, he seems it's so funny, too, because he'll be talking really seriously and, like, either giving advice or saying how he thinks something should be. And then someone will go, supper's ready. And he's like. <laughs> <laughs> I love when Mizuho tries to teach him tricks. And she's like, you're a dog, aren't you? I used to be a person. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I think this is a really cool character. My favorite part is that he is voiced by the same guy that does the voice for uh, To Your Eternity, the the creator. And I love this guy's voice. Oh, it right. sounds so cool. Yep. I should mention we watch sub. Uh, the the dub is happening right now for Sunny Boy. I think it's all about half done. I don't think any of us watch any dub. This is on Hulu yep. as a sub, subtitle only. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he has like this sort of a murmur that he speaks in and it, it conveys a, a sort of weight of years to the character, which fits so well when we find out that he's 5,000 years old. Um, but yeah, this was kind of a turning point for me in realizing that, oh, OK, so time and space being bendable like this, that just opens up a whole new realm of possibilities for this place. Like. This is not limited to 36 characters. It is not limited to just the worlds they've been in. This is like a, a drop in an ocean of mm-hmm. all of the things that are going on. Honestly, I think that's what it, this episode plays, and it hits me so hard. Like every 
as bizarre as it was, at least I was focused on this scope and the scope just like explodes mm-hmm. in front of you <laughs> to a whole nother yeah. level. Um, yep. But yeah, as, as for, for Yanabiko, uh, I do really like his backstory. I love his, his personality, how he's just kind of become a, a mentor and he, he's also a source of truth for them. Like he's the one who tells us, he's the one who says that your God was your principal and, you know, miss, uh, Aki can't be here. The teachers aren't allowed here. And he also mentions you still have time to get home, uh, which is really interesting because he's like, I can't go home. I've been here too long, but there is ways for you to get home. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that was really interesting. Anyway, in this episode, um, so Raj basically finds out that if he edits the videos and Nagara watches it, the edits happen, then it alters actual reality. Like they could create multiple, <laughs> I love multiple of the dog, multiple of, of Mizuha, of Mizuho. It's freaking her out. <laughs> yep. And so he, he brings the class together and he announces, I'm going to create a director's, director's cut of our lives where we are in school because we found old footage of us at school or at the, of the school and we're not in it. So we're going to put ourselves in it. Um, meanwhile, Hoshi and his group are preparing an arc. This is the skirt for the, the neats, right? They made the, the, the cube mm-hmm. from, uh, so basically they're going to create an arc to travel. Um, and they, find a red stone in the burning tree from episode two and bring that and to power it. And that's really, really important, but they never tell you why. Yeah. Um, I don't understand why. <laughs> oh, it's Yanabiko's friend. That's why he recognizes <gasps> the crystal. And he's like, yeah, it will oh, work. that'll power your ship. Right. It's her power. It's her power. Holdover. Oh, you're right. Yeah. That did not click. Mm. Yeah. That didn't click with me either. Also, like, does that mean? Never mind. We're running long, anyways. Um, but can someone explain to me a little bit, like, the the movie thing? Mm. Like, if he's playing something and Nagara watches it, can he then think about something to put into the film to change it, or do they have to layer two films on top of each other? And if he's that watching one. it, those edited. two films become one. And, and that becomes reality. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so think of it like this. All of the uh, recordings are from uh, Nagara's perspective. So if you edit it and then you put it back in Nagara's perspective by having him watch it, it rewrites the perspective. But it can't oh. be something out of his head. It's got to be actual edited film. Okay. That's the part I missed. Okay. So a tidal wave hits the arc and they survive it thanks to the arc. Everyone gets inside. Um, also, everyone gets on board with the plan for the movie. Nagra makes the edits, puts them into the high school, and then they're all in the high school. Uh, Nozomi is the first one there. No one can see her. She sees her friends, but they can't see her. And then she realizes she's dead. Um, she, her, she had died in the real world. And and God says at this point, I have no more need for you. And the camera's on her. <laughs> and then in the next scene, she's dead. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Did God just the, kill her? Was that the, the act of fate? Like yeah. the the rest she of the class tried is... to touch somebody and she couldn't touch him. Yeah, yep. she goes through him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Well, the re- then the, we see the rest of the classes there too, and they're seeing themselves, and they can't touch themselves. And God comes to Nagara, and he's like, "Yeah, you, you guys are copied." Now, here's the question for you guys, for for my own understanding. So at this point, we, the there there's two versions of each character. One version gets to be in the high school in the real world, and one is still stuck in the drift worlds. Were the copies made at this moment? Or were the copies made at the moment that these powers started forming? I think the anime explains that the copies are a product of Mizuho's cats. So it would have happened at the moment that they came over here. But, um, yeah, that would mean there wouldn't be a need for a backflow. But then we never saw any of them when they were looking at the edited clips. In that that one extra footage they found, they weren't in it. They weren't in it. But that wouldn't be Nagra's point of view either because he wouldn't see a world where he wasn't in. So he'd have to be there to see it. So that means it couldn't have been reality. Now, this this is interesting because it, no matter what the answer is, it doesn't change anything, right? Like the cats, yeah. clearly we learned the cats made copies of, mm-hmm. of both of all the characters. It doesn't really change anything when it happened. It's just for my own understanding. I was wondering if any, and we had that started discussing it, but you were only halfway through the anime and I wanted yeah. to bring it back up uh, yeah. and see if you changed your mind. So uh, just real quick and then we got to move so, on. Well, okay, but sorry, I, I got a, my, my head spinning. The, <laughs> sure, we can talk about the copies of people and like where they are and what they're doing. The, the overarching, like these worlds are obviously all connected where in ether in a computer program in the mind of god in space and time do they even exist like two (laughs) and that's the thing is like okay sure there are copies but copies put where that that's that's the whole thing that's kind of been bugging me the entire anime so that actually goes into like parallel universes theory and in parallel universes theory there is nowhere <laughs> everywhere is where so if you have you know these branch offs it becomes infinite and those branch offs don't happen just through the actions of people because like according to Conway's game of life right people are just the construct of these emergent behaviors taking place from fundamental chemical reactions right so those chemical reactions could be defining the physical properties and rules of the universe. So if those branch, you're going to wind up with psychedelic light shows. (laughs) You're going to wind up with weird universes that make no sense or have arbitrary rules, or you might get uh, a Boltzmann brain where it's like all of a sudden this, this perfect brain forms out of nothing just by pure chance. Okay, so like we're thousands of layers up. in the onion away from real- the reality we experience, is what you're saying. Exactly. And Perfect. and that there is nowhere because it's an infinite space around that reality. Right. Yeah. But all of that came from Nagara. He's the one, he's nope. the one who... Oh, you think these universes already existed? Oh, you're right, because yeah. they said he's, he's just finding observer. them. He's an observer mm-hmm. of the possibilities. Yep. Right. So And then the cat's... They were able to make copies in reality. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the they had that power. In, 
Yeah, we, we get okay. to it, but the explanation is one cat brings the order to the real world, one cat gets the item from the real world, and then the other cat copies it however many times they wanted it. But they are bringing one, or they, they are finding an object in the real world, so the cats have the ability to go back and forth, apparently. Uh-huh. And, and bring a whole Costco. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is super weird, but I guess, it, you know, look at... Uh, Wait! Is that why at the end the house is gone? It's an empty lot? What you, oh. Is she no, staying I, there with her mom? No, because they bring a copy. They don't bring the real thing. Yeah. That's not what Troy just said. He said yeah, he brings no, a I copy, did, or did, brings the real item, then they copy so, it. So one guy finds the item, and then they bring the copycat, and the copycat makes that copy in the... Uh, you're right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so... um. <laughs> Your question, you had a question, Troy. What was it? Refresh my memory. Oh, I remember. It was about when the copies were made and whether it happened at the beginning or later. And so the only conclusion I can come to is that the copies were made at that point when they first jumped in. I think Nagara, this is just my opinion, but I think Nagara created it because he's always trying to escape. He's always trying to get away. Um, and so he, he didn't create, but rather he observed a place and leaped to it. Um, carrying the whole school with him. And then at the same time, Mizuho copied everyone, but that was just the cats. What she did is locked everything in stasis so right. that it can't change. So there you have three powers simultaneously acting. So this means that in reality, their copies are left, or their originals, I should say, are left to continue their life as usual. But if we are playing with string theory, right, and and parallel universes, I should say, uh, theory, then that means that there's an infinite number of realities, too. There doesn't have to be one reality that they can go back to. Right. So this would explain why you could have a roll of the dice where when they come back, um, there's a spot for him and a spot for her. I, I don't know if that's true. Though. I don't know if we're doing truth string theory. It feels almost like the string theory only applies to the this world's and then that there is one true world that is one solid timeline or and not doing string theory. Uh, so uh, are we in the weeds? I, I guess weeds? We'll, we'll get to it when we get to the final episode. I don't know. I mean, can you like in an anime like this that's so artsy, but at the same time plays with these topics? Can you be in the weeds if you have to? <laughs> no, this is what's required to break it down. In in the next episode, I uh, I asked my daughter a question. I, I was like, Hey, are they small or is everything big? And she looked at me and goes, What does it matter? And I was like, oh, you're right. Everything still <laughs> happens the same. The themes are being explored the same. It doesn't change anything for the character. It's, it's relativity, right? Like, it doesn't, nothing, it doesn't matter when the cats made the copies. They are now copies who can't go home, uh, either at this point or from the very beginning. It doesn't really change anything in our understanding of the story. But no, Rajdani would still try to understand it. Actually, I have the answer. It has to be from the beginning because then the copies yeah. in the school would remember being on the island. Or the, the versions themselves at the school. So it had to be from the very beginning because they or they would be at this school remembering that they just spent, you know, the two weeks in a black void. And, well, right? that's where it's possible that it doesn't have to be from the beginning because of backflow, which oh, yeah. is where you have time travel. And they keep saying, you know, the only thing that can happen is what could happen. Right. And that is something that's commonly said when you refer to time travel as a more of a 
you have the event and then the river readjusts the causes necessary to reach that event, even if they don't match what you did. Um, even if you're no longer a player in those causes, you will still get to that same point of conclusion. Um, and so that's where having them actually go into that footage, that's, I don't know, it leaves both of those possibilities open. Um, right. We got to keep going. Yeah, keep I don't know. So magic. Magic. Huh? magic. Well, it's theoretical. I, so, <laughs> I mean, it's as magic as any other theory. <laughs> Jason, I was hoping you would like this moment, though, because of, of the game Soma. Which, which plays with the the concept of copies and the the luck of well that you is gets to be happy and this you gets stuck here. <laughs> no, and actually uh, that moment didn't come in this episode. That moment comes in the last episode. Okay. Well, that's more of a this this copy of you is happy and that one's dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, also if we're talking about infinite and re rolling, I think. They didn't go back to their original rea- reality where uh, N- Nozomi is dead. I think they went to mm-hmm. the next over where Nozomi never died in a different reality. I don't think they ever returned to act back to real home. Yeah, that, my, that's my a really good point because that's where I was thinking like having multiple versions of the reality that are acceptable is the only way you can explain Nozomi. Yeah, yeah, and that's why she doesn't remember him. But anyways, let's go on. <laughs> the only thing I have for theme-wise is you can't go back again. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was a different you, uh, I guess. Uh, I don't well, really have How many times do we think, man, I wish I could go back to high school and relive my life? Never. Yeah. At least not me. Never. Actually, actually, yeah, um, I'm, I'm with Jeremy. When... <laughs> Because they say after so many times you can't go back, and I, I get it with like five thousand years. If you went back, then you'd have to wait for your body to go through five thousand years for you to come back into it. So I guess that's why they can't go back. I think. But my first thought was, yeah, if I was five thousand years old, I would not want to go back to my sixteen-year-old self and be like, oh, I'll just do it again. No, no, thank you. I now would not go on to go back to my sixteen-year-old self. Do I have regrets? Yes. <laughs> that I would do differently. Sure. Do I want to go through all of that again? No, so much. There's so much work to get here. Are you kidding? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Tired. Just want to snap. I just want to nap. I'm getting old already. Uh. All right. So, okay. So now, yeah, the concept has blown up big. So in the next episode, we see a group of students meeting to discuss Nagara and how he got them trapped here. Not any of our characters. And it's like, there's a number that's like, this is the 67,000th meeting to discuss Nagara and his, what he has done to us. And there's like hundreds of people in the auditorium. Um, <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> like, and it yeah. never comes up again. Yes, it does. They have another meeting later where they complain about the decision that was made by the guy they sent off. Right. Uh, No, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) After that tiny arc of like one or two episodes is done, it's never brought up again that there are millions of other kids. Yeah, that's true. Drifting through universes. Well, no, it it becomes a fact that there are millions of other kids. Because like we see the train station with kids passing through all the time, and we go to world and world and world where we're just random people filling it up. And, no, but this group, I'm saying. Yeah, we there's 
but what I'm saying is it's such a cosmic scale. We'll, we'll never come across the same group twice. Like it's so big. Um, yeah. all right. So yeah, they, they, they come up with this plan to punish Nagara and they hire this guy to do it. And his name is Komori. Batman. And he's an umbrella. He's umbrella man. He's an umbrella man. Um, Nagra. Oh man, here it comes. Nagra. <laughs> what does it say? Um, I don't think we should have been a doctor. Else. Nope. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Try edit that. <gasps> Hoshi's group decides that they're leaving. That there is not a way home. Um, and that they're going to fly off. Uh, meanwhile, Raj is studying ants. <laughs> he explained. I, I love this line. And, and it. it Hey, do you need a explanation for why God is doing this? Hey, what about an ant farm? And that's they live. Maybe that's all we are to God. And the moment they said Nagara is like, I'm freeing them, grabs the ant farm and runs off. Well, because Rajdani is also like, well, they're going to eat each other and there will be one left when they're all done. <laughs> it wasn't just like, hey, what's going to happen if we have a fully functioning, sustainable right. ant colony here? It's like, you know, I'm going to starve them and watch them consume each other. Uh, after he he lets them free and they climb all over him, he sees the umbrella and he's like, "Is that a bat?" And he follows it, and there is an exercise bar on top of a hill, and he uses the exercise bar and gravity flips and he falls into a workers' camp uh, construction site. And here in this world, it, it's this new world. Uh, people are building the Tower of of Babel. And uh, they work all day and he gets in trouble for not working. So he has to start working and they're carrying they're carrying bricks down to the bottom to build to heaven. And he's like, why are we going down? Uh, and he asks, like, um, you know, how close are we being being done or why are we doing this? And the guy he's working with who befriends him is like, I've been here for 50 years. I've never asked that. <laughs> I thought he'd been there for like 200 he says, or maybe it was 200, but he says some guys have been here for thousands of years working. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so Nagra is stuck in this world. The others do go looking for him. Meanwhile, um, Hoshi's group does take off. They've decided we're not, we can't leave this world. We're the copies. We lost the, the draw. Um, so we're going to go find a place to make our own in this world. And they leave. And it, it's, it's very important. The scene that's most telling, I think, is when no- Nozomi and Hoshi high five each other because they had been adversarial, especially in the very beginning with the, hey, you have to have a phone. And she throws it on the ground. Um, I really like that moment of that's behind us. You know, we mm. life has changed completely from who we were then. Um, anyway, then the rest are looking. Uh, it's it's Mizuha and, and Raj who are looking for, for Nagara. Um, him and his buddy, they hear about a place in the tower where shooting stars fall to. And so they go looking for it. And there's this amazing conversation about, he's like, why do you believe this? He's like, why? I believe it to believe it. Cause having a belief in something is fun or, or, or makes my life fulfilling. It's the same reason with the work. I work to work. <laughs> that, that's my purpose. And then he, uh, they find the falling stars and it ends up being giant bugs who kill him. Um, but he comes back, right? Cause of the stasis. Yeah, 
Because yeah. they show him later <laughs> carrying his brick. <laughs> so two things. This episode has two things, I think, that really push for my, my theme that I was going for. Um, one is the people the people you went to school with every day for years, they, they leave. Uh, I see Hoshi's group as like going to college. Um, you know, they, they're all leaving for college. And, and then there's the group that they enter the workforce. And, and But there's also just the idea of entering the workforce. And what do you enter the workforce for? Um, to, to work because I'm, I'm supposed to work and I got to get paid and, and I need work. And I love the idea because I thought about like, do I think I'm turning the company I work for in my job into some great peak and that has a goal and then I'm done? No, I go to work every day and I tirelessly carry my bricks like I'm supposed to. And then I go home to my family and then I come back next day and I start carrying my bricks. Um, that's And if that's you start aspiring to anything greater, you'll get eaten by big bugs. That's yeah. right. Follow your dreams and die. <laughs> <laughs> but there is something to be said about that's very true of adults, that we work to work and we dream to dream, um, not with the actual belief that those things are going to result to something. And that's obviously not true for everybody, but that is a very normal thing. Blue collar workers, white collar workers, both. We do jobs to do jobs. That is part of adult life. And but the one that really got to me was the, the group leaving. And especially since these were main characters, named characters. Hoshi is a major character and he's just, he's gone for the rest of the anime because yeah. that's what happens to the people in your life when you hit adulthood. You spread out and you go your separate way, not as a I don't want to be around you anymore, but just that's part of adult life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also I love that you work to work and then your paycheck sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's like three stones is their currency. I know. Um, however, Nagara decides that uh, he doesn't want to stay here. So he starts carrying the bricks the other way. And everyone's like, what are you doing? But then he reaches where the, the high society live. And and they, they're like, they confront him. He's also was told his power doesn't work here. Because this is the bat guy's world and he goes out on a ledge and then he flips the world around so that he's at the bottom and he's ready to leave. And we see the bat guy and we see a flashback of the bat guy and we see Nagara as a little kid seeing him play on the the bar, right? I thought that might be Nagara, but there's, I didn't see anything that made that for sure. That could mean Misaki is a student posing as her older self. She'd have to be able to shape her. Right. Anyway, this guy knows Nagra and he's like, hey, uh, you know, you're not so bad. You figured it out. You figured out my world. You got out. Um, You're free to go. Right when Mizuho walks up, it's like, hey, where have you been? And they they go away. Uh, And then, yeah, the the bat guy reports back to the committee like he's not so bad, guys. (laughs) Maybe maybe we were just focusing on something because we needed something to blame. And they're like, boo, kill the Batman. <laughs> also, then um, Raj decides to leave, uh, which, again, a- another really important character. One of our favorite characters, a close friend leaving. Very same theme for me. Um, whereas this one I saw is like a guy going off on a going abroad or journey of self-discovery. Not not exactly like college like the other guys. Um, but yeah. Uh, next episode. Oh, they they're, they go on a journey. So um, Nozomi stays behind. So it's just Nagara, Mizuho, Mizuho and Yanabiko. 
they they're going. I don't know what they're going for, but they're on a journey. Um, but basically, we get on a Biko's backstory. They ask him, "Hey, wh- how did you turn into a dog?" He's like, "How did I turn into a dog?" Oh yeah, it was five thousand years ago. And he it's tells one us one of the saddest tales ever. <laughs> it is sad. Yeah. It's very sad, and it makes things very confusing too. Uh, <laughs> he he was a student, obviously got trapped in, and he wandered around from world to world. Uh, and he then left if, his group like real early on, right? Mm-hmm. right. He was like, "I don't want to be around you guys." Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, gets found, gets pulled out of the water. Now, this has to have religious symbolism, right? Getting pulled out of the water like you're being baptized by this leader figure. Um, but she pulls him out of the water, and she's like, "Hey, welcome to to our world, or welcome to our group." And they're very nice to him, and she's super nice to him. Her name is Kodama. Um, and he doesn't trust it. He's like, oh, I'm out. <laughs> this yeah. is bad. Uh, she catches up with him. And she has an insane power level. She has the power to direct, which means she can control anything. Mm-hmm. So she basically has absolute power. Um, as long as it's within certain worlds, I think. I think that might be true. But Yeah, it seems like it's as long as it's external. She can't yeah. seem to control something that is caused by something internal. So she she goes out for him, brings him dinner, and he's like, I don't want it. And then so she turns the lake to soup and <laughs> brings eventually brings him back. He befriends her. Uh they they obviously get very close. And then a mysterious stranger wanders into the world with growths rocky growths on him. She decides to take care of him against the better judgment of everyone else, and he stands up for her and goes along with it. Eventually, everyone in this world starts getting sick with this disease, and they start growing these rocky cysts off their bodies. Her eye gets really messed up. Um, in his loyalty to to her, he wills himself into a dog. So his power must be like whatever he believes he is, or he, he has some very insane level of power, too, because he turns himself into a dog for her. Um and then she eventually confronts the guy who made them sick, and he's fine. And he's like, yeah, I did this. This was me. I kill people. This is what yeah, I do. Yeah, these are my medals for how many people I've killed. Which mm-hmm. doesn't make a ton of sense because you can't kill anyone in this world. But apparently he has found ways uh, around that. The idea of death gets introduced like four different times as yeah. new, as a new concept. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh and so what what this is about is about y- Yanabiko's regret that he stood silently by and supported her and what he knew was a mistake instead of standing up to her to help her. Um, and she eventually dies. And, and Yanabiko confronts this guy and this guy's like, yeah, my name is War. Um, you didn't get sick because this is your world. Uh, but the sickness is an internal inter- it's mental wounds. Uh, that manifests here because I brought brought this from another world and it's not supposed to be here, so it's affecting them this way. Uh, and then the girl um, dies and she tells Yanabiko to to run free because she had never gotten to see all the other worlds. She'd been in this nice, peaceful world for so long. Um, and that's how he became a dog. So yeah, that red crystal that powered the ship, that was her. War will come back into the story in a little bit. Uh, but your guys' thoughts on his uh, his tale here? Oh, it's so good. Um, I wish it was a couple episodes long. 
um, the idea of there's this like compound <laughs> almost of kids that have, and the thing is, it's like at first it almost looks like an Amish compound because you know there's no technology, but they've got like a boarding house and they're all you know working together. Um, things are real peaceful, real nice, and the th- thing that they got to his world before he did, yeah, for fa- for a fairly long time, which I found really interesting. And then when he finally stumbles into, and also like his story of I'm not going to be with my group, I'm going to go off on my own, and he's traveling through different worlds, and he seems miserable but content at the same time. Real conflicted character finally stumbles into this world putting up walls i don't want to i don't want to trust as soon as he does trust he gets hurt <laughs> um yeah it, his he he's a very faceted character and i really really enjoyed uh this particular backstory like i said i, w- I wish it was a little longer because i wanted to know more about their relationship how they dealt with the disease who this war character was and how he had an impact on them before they died um yeah I got really strong Mushi She vibes. <laughs> mm. There we I go. Oh, yeah, there it is. Um, but I also got the sense that he was another another version of Nagara. Like, not to say that they're the same people or anything, but his apathy and his uh, desire to be a loner was very much a reflection of the way Nagara was behaving when we were first introduced to him. Both of them have the bird metaphor as like there being a broken bird that needs to be shown how to fly again because the same thing happens in his backstory. There's this little bird that keeps visiting the house and she keeps fixing the bird and sending it off and it keeps coming back, right? And and so, um, I don't know, for me, it kind of seemed like a, a repetition for emphasis of uh, Nagara's arc of what he needed to become and what he needed to do. And so I didn't, I thought it was cool. The story was cool, but I kind of didn't like that because I understood enough about Nagara's arc um, that it felt like an echo that wasn't necessary. But war was worse for me because I was really confused by war. (laughs) Like the way you described this actually makes more sense than how I understood it because, you know, he's got a gun which what's the point of a gun if you can't kill anybody in this world and their wounds heal very, very quickly, unless the gun has something to do with his power. And maybe it does. And it the does. Crystals, the gun does have to do with his power. Yeah. yeah. And that probably is because you see the principal fire the gun later. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm saying because when it becomes a, when it becomes a power will hold over, it literally is just a gun. So I would think the power, the gun is connected to his power somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like, and and we don't really see anything meaningful about him later. Like, this is the most meaningful information that we have about war. Um, other than this, he's an empty husk. And so we never see another interaction with him or anything. So with war, I'm I'm a little bit torn because I both like it a lot when this anime drops tidbits, little drips and hints of how big this world is and how important things have happened that we're not even aware of. I I really like that. But at the same time, it almost feels meaningless in this case because war is dropped in and he seems like such an important character that plans on what, killing God, I think he said? Yep, that's what he wants to do. He wants to kill God. 
Yeah. And so knowing that there's a character like that in this world and then just in, in the next opportunity that we see him again, just kind of treating him like an empty husk that has to be disposed of. I want more of his story. Like in, so it's, it's a little bit frustrating for me that they did that with this character war. They blew him up to be so important. And then they just kind of dealt with him without giving us any real closure. That might be on purpose though. Yeah. I think it's a hundred percent. I don't think you call a character war who wants to kill God and then everything they do with him has to be thematic. Yeah, statements but, about. But think war. about it for the average person <laughs> yeah. that doesn't enter the military, right? War is a very nebulous thing that we read about, yeah, or we hear about on the news, right? Uh, for people that aren't in the military or have loved ones in the military, the impact is not substantial unless your country's being taken over by another. Um, yeah. But you know, if you're just a normal citizen and nothing's changed for you besides gas prices or something like that. It, it, you know, it, yeah, that, that could be thematic. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as this backstory, first, I want to say that I think Yanabiko and, um, the girl are soulmates because she's literally living in his world waiting for him. Mm-hmm. And we do, little spoiler for the end, we get do get to flash. see them. They're together. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 So, yeah, that, that was really cool. Um, and I want to go back to what you said about, the parallel with Nagara and how it's kind of the same thing again. And I do mostly think that's true. I think this is specifically getting into don't let your regrets hold you back. Cause that's, while he was very, very much similar to Nagara going through very many of the same things. It's specifically regrets. And he talks about regrets with the girl and then spends 5,000 years as a dog in this world, regretting his choice. And then only now has started moving forward again. And at the end of this episode, it ends with him going to Nagra and him telling him, you can't let your regrets hold you back. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's pretty simple thematically. As an adult, you're going to have regrets. You have to keep moving forward with them. You can't let that stop your development. Um, as a kid, that's part of learning. But as an adult, um, you, the regrets feel a little bit heavier, but you have to keep going. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, the next episode, man, guys, the next episode starts and, and the cats are talking. They're just talking. <laughs> Not only are they talking, they're talking about like workers' rights as cats, which yeah. is hilarious because they're Amazon. Jeez, um, <laughs> like, on the nose much. Um, but it's so bizarre. Yeah. Apparently the cats are fully sentient and have been this whole time and having conversations. Um, mm. and they talk about Mizuho and how the, cause she's like, I wish I could go home. And they're like, she really needs to stop wishing for things we can't give her. Um, <laughs> and she orders ice cream from them. And they're like, fine, we'll go get that. Uh, they are in an Arctic world. And they have been tasked with stopping a 1,000-year war between twin brothers named So and Seiji. Uh, one is a warrior. They're almost identical, but one is more like warrior kind of guy. And one's more calm. Uh, apparently, they find out that the argument that came because they had one hair of difference on their head. And so ever since then, they have been battling uh, to see which one is superior. Uh, also, Misaki and Asakaze are there because they want the power that these twins have. So these twins have the power to reverse anything, but they're always reversing each other 
So they reverse the reverse, and so nothing ever gets reversed. Um, but they have the ability to take us all the way back to the beginning, and then we could do it again and get it right. Uh, except for that's not what Mizaki wants. Mizaki seems her goal seems to be like we're not leaving. We can't leave. We should never leave. Mm-hmm. Because that's what God wants, and she's working for God. That's the it best I can. Yeah. Um. Meanwhile, the dog, uh, <laughs> Yanabiko, talks to the cat. Uh, what's her name? Sakura. And this is the cat that can make copies, and he confronts her about it. And he, she's like, "Oh, you figured it out. Well, I appreciate you not telling everyone. That's very nice of you for being a dog." And she talks about how Raj figured it out. She also uh, calls him rude for not telling her earlier that they, they, they understand. Yeah. <laughs> Eavesdropper. Um, so we get we get flashbacks of Raj and how he figured out that how the cat's powers work. And especially when they were made, they did the movie thing and there was copies. He's like, oh, it was the cats. We're here because of the cats. And he didn't say anything because he didn't want Mizuho to get blamed because he knew it was out of her control. The cats didn't want Mizuho to be stuck in that world and that's why they made copies um, or because they couldn't be with her there or just because it was so sad for her there? I think it was because they couldn't be with her. She wanted to be with them and this was the only way that she could. But they should have brought everybody else in as baggage. (laughs) So let let me see if I get this straight. The cats existed in this other world before the school went adrift. Mm -hmm. And so they brought copies of the school and Mizuho and everyone into the this world. I don't know if they existed in the this world, but they had their powers before the adrift. Right. But that's that's my question is how how did they take those copies and throw them adrift? They didn't Nagara that was did. Nagara. Yeah. They just made So the Nagara copies. had powers before they went adrift yeah. as well. Yep. Well literally his power is what made them was go adrift. Them going adrift, yeah. And and it is it is I think mentioned that this is all God's manipulation to make these powers yeah. work together to get them all stuck. It wasn't oh, okay. So he they happened to copy at the same time. Yeah. Go adrift. All right. Mm-hmm. So Miss Aki gets involved with the twins. She gives one of them a toy ray gun. Uh, <laughs> they have one final battle and shoot each other, and one dies. And it's like it the gun puts a hole in you, and so he turns into sand. Again, death that shouldn't be possible happens. Uh, we well, also found before out before this, we find out yeah. they're the same person, right? They're not twins; mm-hmm. they are a copy, which again ties into the whole theme of oh yeah, wait, what about the copies? Um, but they're not a perfect copy either. They are not. one. One has one extra hair, right? And clearly, slightly different attitudes. Mm-hmm. Although that's debatable. From a thousand years apart, right? Yeah, exactly. Even from moments. Uh, a clone uh, hypothetically could have a different. Considering they have a a photo book of hair. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, After killing his clone or the clone killing his original, uh, he says he feels empty and he kills himself. Mm -hmm. What's the theme? Yeah. (laughs) This is a hard one. I'm not 100% sure, but I I would say this has something to do with just accepting your darker side. Because if you try to kill your darker side, you'll commit suicide? Well, that is just a part of you, that you are <laughs> who you are with it. With the empty. But no, I'm not really sure how that ties fully into the theme. You're yeah. Right. Oh, okay. 
this Aki group blue, <laughs> though, is also a scene where Asakazi yelled at Nozomi. He basically negs her into, like, you're useless, you need to stay here, but that's because he cares about her and wants to protect her because he's in love with her. Mm-hmm. And thinks about never mind. <laughs> and thinks about and, the teacher. <laughs> all right. And this that next episode is heavy and we are running long. Um, mm. So we, we run, I think the character's name is Subasa. She's the girl with the broken arm. She, uh, we, she's at a train station between worlds and she um, talks about how she told everyone the power, he has the power to stick coins to her head. So they wrote her down as magnet girl in the power book, but she actually has the ability to hear your inner thoughts and not just your inner thoughts. It's you narrating your story. It's like your inner monologues. Um, and she's in love with Asakaze and writes down his, his best monologues uh, and doesn't trust Miss Aki at all. Uh, and God asked Miss Aki and, and Asakaze to go kill war, uh, which shouldn't be possible because death doesn't exist. So he's basically asking him to go create death. Um, and he does, and Subasa being worried about this, and knowing that he's in love with Nozomi, because he always hears his thoughts about Nozomi, we get to see all these flashbacks of like, quit looking at Nagara, look at me. I'm the one holding the island up. And, and anyway, so she invites Nozomi to go. Nozomi agrees to go, joins the group, which is, and also she has a phone now, because, you know, she went through a goddamn plot arc. <laughs> yep. Anyway. They travel to War's World, which is it, there's stuff there. There's trees, there's birds, but everything's frozen and everything's white. Basically, war is empty. War doesn't mean any, you know. War has no meaning. Uh, and leaves deep scars. Leaves deep scars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so they find yeah this cliff that re- runs down to this big red scar, and they fly down it with uh, Asakazi's power, and they find War just falling. He's just falling down the cliff, and he they. They pull him in and they take him and he just sits there. No, even if he's not falling, it looks like he's falling and he has no inner thoughts. Um, and in this scene, Nozomi uh, um, confronts Asakaze about what he's doing and how this is not right. And they have a comfort. He's like, well, you know, you know, I like you. And she's like, it's never going to be. Yeah, you're not the right guy for me. I don't like you. Um, so they say this is goodbye. And then, because she confronted him, the teacher, Misaki, says, oh, yeah, the other girl can read our minds. I figured it out. Uh, and he uh, <laughs> he's a little embarrassed about all his thoughts, you know, literally thinking about boobs sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he abandons them and goes with Misaki away. She comforts him. She says she has the opposite power of me. So does Misaki put thoughts in your head? That's what it or seems just, like. Or just manipulative. No, she's a shapeshifter. Anyway, um, they eventually go back, and they they figure out the way to end war is just to freeze him, and so they do, and he turns into a gun, which we find out later. When you are done in this world, when you reach the point where you aren't literally alive, uh, you turn into your power. The power holdovers are people um, of that world reaching the end of their life. Um so he kills War, and then we see God, because War turns into a gun, we see God holding that gun, and he shoots it, and, and Nazumi falls off a cliff, and Asakazi goes to catch her, but he doesn't. He, Actually, like, yeah, he doesn't see God do that until after this. Okay. But he goes to activate his power, but he doesn't activate his power, and she falls, 
And then there's a compass on the ground, symbolizing that she has died. And that's when God appears and is like, oh, why didn't you use? It's a spontaneous power. Bang. And I was like, wait a minute. So, like, did you turn his power off so that he couldn't save her? Is that what you did, God? I thought he just, I thought God just killed her. Maybe. So so it's it's hard to interpret because is Asakaze not catch her because of what she said to him? Yeah, shame, frustration. Is it it a mental block? Yeah, yeah. Uh, He clearly, and even he's stunned by it. He's like, why didn't I catch her? Uh, Mm -hmm. But she's she's gone. She's a compass now. (laughs) Which is also weird because, like, how long has war been falling down this trench, this canyon? So presumably, since he can fly faster than war was falling to get to war, he should have just been able to leap off the edge, even if there was a delay, and then fly down and catch her. Right, so, and also, also the the compass is there with them on the cliff face. They didn't, they yeah, didn't, it didn't pick fall. up the compass at the bottom. Uh, yeah. So it, yeah, it's odd. It's like she fell off the ledge and then was like, I'm gone. There's a compass. <laughs> that is just so weird. We also then get a scene of uh, Nagra and Mizuho killing chickens. They both order chickens from Amazon because they've been exploring. Oh, the cats can bring living things. They said they could, but yeah, they can. The, the, the copies, they bring the chickens. He kills, uh, Nagra kills both chickens. Hers stays alive. His is dead. And that confirms that her power is the stasis power that doesn't let them die. She's the one that hasn't let anyone die. And God's been trying to find a workaround for that. Uh, this thematically one of the things you have to face as an adult is that the people around you start dying uh, even at 18 when when you're 18 and, and I've had I've had a doctor say hey you still got that S on your chest right you're young you're immortal <laughs> you just yeah mortality mortality is way down there I don't have to worry about it I'm immortal now um, and then you find out that guy you went to high school with died in Iraq you know, and the people you knew, they death has been introduced into the adult world is what I see this as, um, which is a, a very real thing. And then you start realizing, oh, I'm mortal, too, which kind of is what a lot of the next episode deals with, too, um, because it starts with uh, Mizuha and, and Nagara doing a memorial service for Nozomi. They got a letter that she had died. And so they do a memorial service and they show someone to literally send out a text to everyone that she she died. We're doing a service and no one comes. Mm-hmm. And, and and that sucks. But that's also real. That's that's realistic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know that. Oh, that person I knew in high school died. That sucks. I got to go make dinner now. You know, like. <laughs> but, yeah. but someone does show up and it's it's Raj. He's back. <laughs> Uh, he's got a parrot now. Who he's lives two thousand years older? Yeah, went. Yep, he went out for two thousand years. It's been two years for for Nagara. It's been two thousand years for Raj. Um, he comes for the memorial service. Uh, he's late, but he shows up. He's also a little bit crazy, and he's like, "You guys are going home. I'm gonna help you." And they're like, "Oh, you want to come with?" He's like, "No, I'm. I can't go with." Um, it's been too want... long for him, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, so basically this episode is them building a rocket ship uh, with like from the Amazon from the Amazon. And also yeah. Raj has a gun now that shoots out machinery, uh, real machinery, not his like cartoon machinery. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he tells one story about 
I went to a world that had pictures of our world and then pictures of the guy's girlfriend, and they were all way better looking than they actually were, which is clearly about nostalgia. Definitely something you run into as an adult. (laughs) Oh, that Space Jam movie was way good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then he talks about another world with uh, Nagara about someone who invented death, which is really interesting because we just had an episode about inventing death, but this guy literally wanted to kill himself and created an electric it looks like an electric chair and basically took away all his feelings which rendered him almost dead and he turned in into the electric chair no from it sounded like he just basically stopped caring about uh killing himself at that point and just became a productive member of society (laughs) he's like he lobotomized himself this really felt like Raj telling a story about himself and using another character as a stand-in. There was this a really felt, This really felt like, yeah, I knew this guy that basically got <laughs> tired of living and couldn't die, so he's tried to invent a way to die, and I totally didn't sit in the chair. Right. But I sat in the chair, and now I don't <laughs> care about that. He doesn't care about dying anymore. <laughs> He did have. I mean, that's uh, totally what it sounded like. Yeah, he did have a a, a funny delay when Nagara asked him, "Did you sit in the chair?" He's like, "Uh, uh." Yeah, this totally felt like this. He was describing a story of him. Okay, Uh, he he definitely (laughs) did say he wanted to sit in it. Um, we also get a flashback of Nagara and Nazumi talking about going home, and him being worried that they'll revert back to who they were when they get there and her saying, I wouldn't worry about that. Just promise me when we get there, no matter what, you'll make us friends again. Uh, and he promises. I Liar. also love, I also <laughs> love that he's building literally in front of us, building this mound of sand and then saying that like, and then he starts like wiping it away as he's talking about, we'll revert back to who we were, uh, all that progress lost. Um, yeah. Then they, they say goodbye to Yam, Yamabiko and the cats and they climb into their spaceship. Guys, that's really important. It's more important than you think to my theme because, hey, when you leave home, you leave your your parents' pets behind. Those cats you've been cuddling with and stuff. They are grandma's cats. Grandma's cats. You When yeah. you go off into your own, you don't get to take the pets unless you literally had your own specific pet. All right. Um, and they go into space. Okay, I gotta say... With all the craziness, this shouldn't bother me, but it did bug me that that Rajdani was so happy that this was like the same spaceship that was used, same space shuttle that was used in the rocket that was used to get us to the moon. And I'm like, okay, then you need a much bigger support team down below to be able to support that craft because that is not a very reliable craft by today's standards. This is also like, this isn't a planet. This is a dimension. Right. Why would they get darker and darker as they went higher and higher? It would be blue the entire time. Especially uh, since we've seen Asakaze go up, didn't we? Yeah. He did. But, you know, every dimension is a weird roll of the dice for physics. It might be a flat Earth. <laughs> Who knows? It's Dome Earth. Uh, yes. <laughs> exactly. What do they climb into in space when they get to space? So at first I thought it was a space elevator that was just really, really high up and didn't come down very far. But uh, there'd be no point in that. It looked more like it was just an elongated satellite. 
Okay. No, I'm pretty sure it was a uh, plot device. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, so we we come to our final episode. Uh, it starts uh, flashing forward, and we see Nagra is back in the real world, and he's attending high school. Um, he sees Mizuho. He sees all his friends. Um, we see a bunch of flashes of the characters we've seen, but n- none of them. They're the cop. They're the originals, I guess. Uh, and then he sees Mizuho, and he calls out to her, and she's like, "Who are you?" So she doesn't remember him, and so he he's like, "Did any of that even happen? Did I just dream it?" Um, he now has a part-time job, uh, and, and and he's got that book Robinson Crusoe, which again is like, okay, maybe he did dream it because he's trying to get away to. Tom Hanks land. It's interesting that you see him in his job and you instantly think back to the Tower of Babel episode, right? Like the, the meaningless work. He's, he's being berated and yelled at by his boss and pushed around. Um, there's also a girl that is there at his work um, with blonde hair who becomes shows up later in the episode when she shouldn't. And I don't know what that's about. Um <laughs> Uh, and then he, we see in his in his house where he lives. Also, okay, me and Jeremy had, uh, had talked about separately how this there's attention to detail because we had an argument about how many compasses there were in the in the wristwatch and how, that wristwatch you can actually see it in the space pod. But just the design of his apartment, just the one shot of him eating alone in his apartment, and you know, single life bachelor, small apartment, like you get a frame of his life in that one moment of shot. And it's like that's that's really good attention to detail that you can give me all that information in in a mere look of a picture. Um, anyway, then he has the compass. He has Nasomi's compass in the drawer, and he had had it back when they launched it, but it was a copy from the cats. The cats had made him a copy of Nasomi's compass, and they'd use that to go into space. And then we get a flashback to how this all happened. So they're in that plot device that Jason said, uh, mm-hmm. waiting. Uh, and then the the compass is telling him that they're almost there. So he says, "Okay, we've reached the speed of light." And they get out and they tie ropes to each other. And Asakaze is there, and he's like, "Hey, don't go. Everybody's gone. Uh, Izaki left me. Uh, everyone left and went on their own." <laughs> Rajdani's a forest now. <laughs> Raj literally turned into a forest. Who hangs out with animals. And I love Mizuho's reaction to that. That she's like happy for him. Like that sounds like something he would have liked. Good for him. <laughs> he became a forest. Um and they they tell him no, we're we're gonna we're gonna keep trying. And he gives them the real Nozomi compass, and then we get this what I think is beautiful but very psychedelic scene of trying to run across the dimensions. You cannot tell me the animation of their running is not well done. Even if you think the background is is freaking you out, the animation of their running, their face, their hair bouncing, it is so well done. It's it's gorgeous. Thank you. It doesn't it it, it means literally nothing to me. <laughs> I understood <laughs> like, it. Like as... this scene just does not make sense. It's it's gorgeous, it's beautiful. Animation's amazing. Uh yeah, their facial features are very telling. I have no idea what the scene's supposed to represent or tell me. Really? Because to me, it made perfect sense with like we had seen multiple times now where when they get far enough away from one reality, one dimension, they see fragments of other dimensions and they look like this. Uh, we see it happen all the time with Asakazi. 
mm-hmm. um, where when he's far enough away from one, there's like all of these backdrops. When they're on the flying school bus, we see it. Um, when How does that connect the them cube. to reality? What do you mean? Or is reality just another shard of another this world? Yeah, reality is just another shard. Yeah, they just needed so, to reach the point where the two connect, which is what Nozomi's light was the whole time, is what we find out here. It's basically like the pinprick location where amidst all of this plethora of dimensions, there's... So there's they were just one. following the compass to get to the... Yep. The... Yes. Yep. On foot, in space. Yeah. Or well, wherever they are. They had gone as far as they needed to in the spaceship, so they knew that they were close enough now that they could get out. Because they went by like based on almost, what information? Did... Based on the math that Rajdani checked off, and the so, yes, compass, this is yeah, and, the, and uh, well, they had the, the compass plugged into a machine from Raj while they're flying. Yeah, it's a gyroscope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but he did. He did say. <laughs> no, he yeah, we, we don't need to dissect this. I get it. I just but but there is a moment. There is a moment where well, it does make sense because there's a moment where he's got all these things on the board, and Rajdani's like, "Oh man, you did this. This is really impressive." Right, 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 right. There. Now it's right. That <laughs> <laughs> did happen. Yeah. So, All right. Okay. Yeah. But they're they're running through dimensions and then they get to the light and then. Oh, you're skipping over some important stuff. So you hold on, Buster. <laughs> first, God confronts them and says, you must not leave. And Nagra is like, oh, so we can leave because <laughs> you didn't say we can't. You just said we must not. We're going to keep going. Uh, they run. But. They are not reaching their point. They are starting to get separated. The rope's starting to get longer. And Asakaze reaches out and shifts space so they're no longer running across the multiple dimensions. They're in one dimension with white birds that are guiding them, uh, helping them through it. And following the two compasses, they reach the point of the light. They grasp it, and that's the end of the journey. All right, so there is what, when he goes, hey, you must not leave. And they stop. If you notice, they're at the threshold of the property line for the school. Yes. And then when they do finally decide, no, we're going to go out on our own, they cross over that threshold. There is one other line from God where he says, how do you plan to take that with you? And then we get a flash of the girl that Nagaro works with. No idea what that means, uh, but (laughs) that happens. (laughs) Then we go back home, and then we see things from um, – we're back in the real world, and we're now seeing things from Mizuho's perspective. Um, her grandma has died. The cats are being given away. Um, she she pretends not to know uh, Asa uh, – pretends not to know Nagara. Uh, but then we see her break into the school, look for portals, and break a glass. Basically, And almost get caught by security. And almost get caught by security. <laughs> yeah. But – so you can. I don't know. That's either she's wanting to go back, or she's worried she didn't go back and and wants to confirm before she reveals that she's a not a crazy person to, to anyone. Because if the glass would have gone back together, the stasis. She, yeah. Yeah. Um. So she then go does go talk to Nagra. Uh, they had this had this conversation about their life, and he talks about how Nozomi is with Asakaze now. Um, which is clearly upsetting to him, especially since we know she wouldn't like Asakasi if she truly knew him. Um, they deserve each other. <laughs> uh, 
I also there's a line here where she's like, I wonder if I could do this and get my cats. And he's like, you probably need to stop worrying about what you could do and start worrying about what you have to do. And man, if there's a line about being an adult, that that, that is a good yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And then we see him go to take care of some baby birds at the train station and he runs into the Zomi um, and they talk a little bit. But then Asakazi shows up. And so she goes back over with him and. And our main character goes home and he says the line, our lives are only beginning. What lies ahead will just take a little bit longer. And that's the end. We had, she, he doesn't been told by Mizuho, as long as you have a little bit of what was inside you on the island, you, you'll be okay. Which to me says, as long as there's a part of you that keeps trying, no matter how hard adult life gets, no matter how monotonous it is, whatever it is, that part of you will keep you going forward so yeah maybe he's not with nozomi today maybe he will be tomorrow but i also saw that as your high school crush you know they move on and they get married and you know there's other people in the world you leave that first love behind as you go into the yeah, like Mihozo. sorry yeah <laughs> or or the girl from work because i i honestly could see how the girl from work might be another version of nozomi um because he's only got one compass when he gets home um so so I took it a little bit differently in that Nozomi was never meant to be with him. She never wanted to be with him. She always saw him as just a friend that she was trying to fix. Um, because there's a line where she says that she fixes the bird so that the bird can fly away. And then they use that metaphor again when she's getting the baby birds down. And mm-hmm. she's like, look, you know. What are you going to do you want to take him? Do you want to take care of him with the baby bird and everything? And that's something that he would never have done beforehand because he was so apathetic. So she did successfully fix him. So at this point now, she's done with him. She's got to go fix Asakaze in this reality. And so he now has to move on and he'll probably go to that blonde girl. But I think he should have stuck with Mizuho. (laughs) I didn't see it as like he has to be someone, but just that he's he's at that point in his life where he can be with someone. He could fall in love and start a relationship because yeah. this wasn't really about being in a relationship. And I'm kind of glad they didn't go that route, especially with the themes. I wouldn't have liked that as an adult. You also have to get married. That's kind of a, a harsh thing to people who well, don't. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I do wonder, like, what was this? Did you listen to the whole outro for this episode? Episode 12, the entire song? Um, I, I thought I did, but I don't like remember the picking up wailing, anything. The wailing, like the way the guy sings the last few notes. And if you remember what those words were when it was subbed, because it subbed most of them, it, he was basically talking about love. Is At least that's what I mm-hmm. understood it to be. And so if he's like wailing about love, it sounds like that's what Nagara wants. <laughs> right. But I think that I think our final shot is Nagara feeling confident that he can get there and and that's what where we need to be with him it doesn't really matter where he who he ends up with or where it lands it's not nozomi <laughs> um right <laughs> <laughs> keep moving forward even if you have to murder your uh copy of yourself in another dimension yeah that's right. also, he does yeah, he <laughs> don't there. feel bad all right we made it to the end of uh, Sunny Boy. It was way too long. Wow, this but... is a longer episode. <laughs> yeah. We're not doing. There's no mini episode <laughs> next week. No. All <laughs> right. So let's go on to our final reviews. Uh, Jason, go ahead. What'd you give it? Um, I I I don't get it. 
like I, I kind of do from our conversation, but um, this is like you said, I, I, I can't recommend this to anybody and I don't see myself ever watching it again or a sequel. Um, it's not terrible. It's beautiful. It's just a bunch of gobbledygook. Uh, I, I, but I can't give it a low score because it's it, it was really well done. I'd give it a three right in the middle. Okay. More than I thought. All right. Jeremy, what did you give it? I absolutely love it. Um, I love what they do with playing with enough of quantum physics and other theoretical sciences to stay within the realm of possibility that you can interpret it that way. It doesn't necessarily have to be, and it may not be perfectly correlating to them, but I love that that's there. And I love any anime that gives me weird worlds where I have to try and figure out and watch while other characters figure out like, what is this world? What's going on here? Uh, right, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love that. Um, I like the characters. I'm, I got to give it a four. I got to give it a four. It's not quite a five for me, even though I, I really, really love it. And I think the, the main reason for that is just because um, the main character was was really boring to me uh, for the first half, maybe even for more than that. And I did feel a little bit of rest, repetition that didn't seem quite necessary, at least in my opinion. Um, and I would have liked. Like, it feels like this is so incomplete to me and i don't mean thematically because thematically it does tell a complete arc story but this world is just touched and the world deserves so much more like it is such a fascinating place and i want to see so much more of it i kind of want to penalize it for that <laughs> do you think that fits it thematically though like you i don't know what god is yep that's that's <gasps> life <laughs> yeah yeah you're absolutely right it does fit it thematically well, this think, is all, this is storytelling too. You have certain things you are expected to do when you're telling a story. Well, yeah, and and the parts that I enjoy about it are more uh, more of the analytical, theoretical. Show me the different places and explain it to me. Than the theme. So even though the theme it does fit the theme, that's not as important to me. So so yeah, I got I got to give it a four. All right, uh, a five for me, and I think I've said enough why, but really. The fact that I could bite so deep into it, interpret it, and even know I'm missing stuff is is more than enough to keep me super satisfied. Honestly, it probably is my anime of the year with Vivi probably right behind it. I haven't seen all the animes that came out, obviously, so there's still a couple good ones I need to check out. But yeah, um, I'm being too nitpicky. I have to give it a five. Sorry, I got to give it a five. I'm being too nitpicky. <laughs> All right. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> yep. All right. Um, our next anime is going to be the case study of Vanitas. It's uh, a vampire anime. And there's a bunch of vampire anime. We had to watch one of them. Uh, this is Jason's pick, <laughs> and that'll be the next one. Uh, it looks like it's got some comedic but also action to it, Jason, from what I could yeah, see. Yeah, but it is rated... Um... 17 plus so mm. maturity uh morning but yeah comedy mystery uh shonen vampires so, yeah. vampire cool uh if you have thoughts on sunny boy or, or any other anime that we watch feel free to reach out to us on our twitter at baka podcast or our website 
theanimebakaclub.com or leave a comment wherever you found the podcast. That will also get back to us too. Uh, and we hope that you follow along. And thank you for those who wrote in some early reviews. We're going to keep trying to do that going forward and seeing if we could make that work. We are experimenting with it right now. But like we've said before, we are growing and trying to evolve ourselves. So thank you all for listening. And it's time for us to say goodbye. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Don't say goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Sayonara. <laughs>